Things are getting pretty spicy over in Eastern Europe. We now have reports that Russia has threatened military and political consequences, serious military and political consequences if Finland and Sweden try joining NATO. Finland and Sweden are already having discussions with NATO. They're actually involved in the NATO meetings over the defense of, uh, or I should say the response to the Russian invasion in Ukraine. And while there are some people who are saying, well, that's not explicitly threatening war or military action. If you actually look at what's been going on for the past several weeks, it is. There's been uh, unidentified drones flying over nuclear plants in Sweden. There has been Russian activity from Kaliningrad into the Baltic Sea. So very much so, Sweden has been on high alert for some time. This statement is basically saying there is going to be some kind of action against you if you go out against us. Not only that, we already heard uh, Vladimir Putin say anyone who interferes in their operation in Ukraine will face consequences never before seen in history. So I think it's fair to say, obviously, everyone's going to try and play some game of how they're describing things to win PR points. But this is it's a veiled threat at, at, at the very least. But I think it's it's in my opinion, it's outright overt to say military consequences. So things are absolutely starting to heat up. We'll talk about that. We've got NATO. Apparently, it's the for the first time they're having this defensive meeting. And then I want to talk to you about propaganda because, you know, what, man, I go on Reddit. I go on Reddit all the time. You guys know it. And it is the lowest of low tier, in, like propaganda I've ever seen produced in favor of Ukraine. And I like Ukraine and I oppose Russia's actions. I think it's all wrong. And I'm just like, your propaganda is garbage, <laughs> but it's, it's just so annoying to see bad propaganda. I'm like, guys, do better than this. The ghost of Kiev thing. That was cool. The ace fighter pilot took out six Russian fighter jets cool story. The Snake Island one, go F yourself. I like it. But these memes are just cringe. So we'll talk about that. At the same time, RT has been taken offline. And I find I think that's absolutely wrong. If people want to see the Russian perspective on the war or see what Russia is claiming, they should be allowed to do it. But apparently Anonymous has shut him down. Yeah, I don't know if I believe that, but we'll get into that stuff. Joining us to talk about all of this is Nick Freitas. You want to introduce yourself? Oh, well, thank you very much for having me on, Tim. Yeah, my name's Nick. Um, did some time in the military. I'm currently serving the Virginia House of Delegates. But, yeah, it's kind of an interesting topic because my whole, my whole role in the military was unconventional warfare and counterinsurgency. And so watching this kind of unfold is, is amazing. Um, but, yeah, I've been serving the uh, last seven years in the Virginia House of Delegates, representing the 30th District. So thanks right for having on. me on. I mean, I think I, it's, 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 it's perfectly pertinent, I suppose, with your military experience, but also – you had a viral video recently condemning, you know, like critical race theory in schools and things like mm-hmm. that. And so I, I think, you know, before we even went live, you were giving it all away, talking about school <laughs> choice and what's going on in these schools. And I'm like, well, you know, it's fine. You'll just say it twice. So. Yeah. <laughs> so that should be fun. Yeah. 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 We got Ian. What's up, everybody? I, uh, I've been very inspired by your, all the twenties I've been rolling lately that you've been reminding <laughs> me about. So I got a couple of hundred sided oh, dice. Snap. It's about time to start rolling hundreds. Yeah. And uh, one of these is for Tim. I'm going to let Tim decide. <laughs> Which one? Which one you'd like? Here you go, Tim. A one hundred sided yeah. dice. One's rainbow colored and wow. one's blue. That's so That's cool. Very heavy. It is a it giant is metal deep. ball. Hard metal. metal. All right, I'm gonna roll it. Oh my gosh, that's loud. Yeah, it's just they rolling. don't play well in D and D because they take forever to roll. Roll away to Nick. <laughs> got the wide shot on it's that. It's in front of Nick now. What do we get? <laughs> what, do, what do we get? Twenty two. Twenty three. Twenty three. Twenty three. It's a prime number. Nice. <laughs> Better than twenty. Good night ahead of us. All right. What's up, everybody? And I'm also here. I warmed Nick up by talking about anything and everything. I try not to talk about the podcast topics, but sometimes we get into it. It's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. You can directly support us over at TimCast.com by clicking sign up, becoming a member, 
And as a member, you keep our journalists employed. We're, we've, we've got on the ground reporters. We've got a, a team of journalists writing new, uh, writing stories every single day. And we are all grateful that you guys are supporting work. Plus you'll get access to our exclusive members only segments that we put up Monday through uh, Thursday around 11 or so PM. So definitely go to timcast.com, but don't forget to smash the like button, subscribe to this channel right now, share the show any way you can. Let's read that first story from the Hill. Russia threatens military and political consequences if Finland or Sweden tries joining NATO. Russian's foreign minister, ministry spokesperson Maria Zakharova warned against other countries attempting to join NATO after Russia started a war with Ukraine Thursday. Finland and Sweden should not base their security on damaging the security of other countries and their ascension, accession to NATO can have detrimental consequences and face some military and political consequences, Zakharova said in a viral clip of a press conference. The ministry later posted the same threat on its Twitter. Finland and Sweden have given significant military and humanitarian support to Ukraine since Russia invaded. One pretext Russia has given for attacking Ukraine is that NATO would not give any assurances that Ukraine would not be allowed to join the inter- intergovernmental military alliance. See, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to pause real quick and say a few things. It's hard to believe any of the stuff that's coming out. You know, I mean, this stuff is on Twitter, these videos and, and these statements. But a lot of the videos, a lot of the claims, a lot of the propaganda just seems that it seems like attempts to manipulate the public. It's hard to know what's true. But we have had stories coming out for quite some time. This is from France 24. The Russians are coming. Sweden on edge as Russia flexes military muscle. It could be a longstanding propaganda campaign. I just don't really think so. I think Russia has literally invaded. Russia has said that they're engaged in a military operation. Call it whatever you want. I think the reality is Vladimir Putin feels like he lost. He lost the influence battle. The U.S. basically bought Ukraine. He couldn't do it. So here we are getting into war. The question is, this threat towards Sweden and Finland, is it legitimate or is Putin just spiraling out of control? Nick, I'm wondering what your thoughts are. I don't, you know, I don't see, Putin's never struck me as the sort of guy that like just spirals out of control, mm. right? The, the sort of guy that gets pissed off and just starts, you know, executing generals and, and, and things like that. He's always seemed to be, again, I don't think he's a good guy. I think he's a bad dude. But I've, I've also thought he was a fairly calculating guy. I mean, the guy has managed to stay in power this long within Russia, uh, within an environment where it's, it's fairly unstable from a political perspective with a bunch of oligarchs running around. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not convinced that he's at a point where he's just kind of lost his mind. I think he's, he's pushing to see how far he can get away with what he's doing. Um, I, I think he knows he's got a, a fairly short time to be able to act in order to consolidate gains. And then it's all a question of what are you bringing, right, when it shows up, when inevitably we get to the negotiating table, what does that look like and what are you transferring in order to get what you want? So I, I don't I don't really understand why he brings Sweden and Finland into this. Um, but, again, it, it's I, I don't you, see him as being an unstable guy. What are your thoughts on, I mean, you were talking about uh, unconventional warfare. Is that, is that, yeah. That's where you specialized in when you were in the military? Yeah. So uh, what are your thoughts on everything we're seeing, right? Just to preface this, none of us uh, here at least thought Putin would go this far with Ukraine. Yeah. And yeah. so this seems very much like conventional warfare. But, yeah. but And it seems like they're saying uh, while Kiev has some major gains, they've taken down a lot of Russians asset, Russia's assets, they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And then there's questions about what they can do in the insurgency phase, in the resistance yeah. phase. Uh, I don't – look, everyone likes to talk about the fact that Russia is not the power the Soviet Union was. That's absolutely true, right? It's It's got a GDP that's a little bit bigger than Mexico's, right? It's got a population of about you know 150 million. Um, so not what the Soviet Union was. But when we talk about 
Russia doesn't have the GDP to fight a sustained war. Yeah, you know who also doesn't? Ukraine. <laughs> so this this isn't about them having to fight a war for years. This is about how quickly can they get their gains, consolidate those gains, and then put themselves in a, in a good position on the negotiating table. And so from Ukraine's perspective, they had to know that you're not going to go toe-to-toe, especially with the geography of Ukraine. It's not like you can go fighting in the mountains for 10 years like they did in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It is built for tank warfare, and the Russians know a little something about tank warfare. Um, especially in Ukraine, right? There's a lot of historical battles there. But what a lot of people don't understand about this is immediately following World War II, the Ukrainians fought like a 10-year insurgency against the Soviets. So th- there is a history of them fighting over that area. The, the borders of Ukraine are, are a little bit weird from an, ethnical stand- from an ethnic standpoint. So at this point, this is a question of using the natural geography that you have, right, around the Dinoper and whatnot, in order to slow, like, the major advance. And then it's largely going to be urban battles. If, if you can be in an urban environment and you can make them pay, because that's where asymmetric warfare works really well for the defender, for the person that doesn't have the, the technology. But if you're sitting in a city right now and you've got an AT4 or an RPG or, or if you've got really something good, like the U.S. gave them, like, javelins, Okay, you got a you know you got a ten thousand or a fifteen thousand dollar rocket that's taken out a you know fifteen twenty million dollar tank, right? That that adds up, and so if they fight the insurgency point in the urban areas, which are kind of behind the lines of the Russian advance, and then they use their military in order to kind of stop them at some of these main geographical areas, rivers being one of the best. These last few years have not been easy on our economy. And with tax season finally arriving, there will be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them and pocketing profits for themselves. America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-431-5684 and you'll be in touch with America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS's predatory tactics and put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have, from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-431-5684. That's 800-431-5684. Or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. Again, 800-431-5684 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. They can drag this out and they can make Russia pay a much higher price for it. And that's what I don't think Russia can afford. I want to pull up this, uh, this, the Google map real quick of the, you know, Eastern European region. You have Moscow, you got Russia, you've got Ukraine here, you can see it. When Vladimir Putin says he wants assurances that Ukraine won't be joining NATO, I think Tulsi Gabbard came out and she was like, just give, give them assurances Ukraine won't join NATO. It's like, have y'all looked? I'm a fan of Tulsi, but have you looked at a map? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Estonia and Latvia are EU, are, are, I'm yeah. sorry, are NATO members. Oh, yeah, they They're are. already on the border. They take it very seriously. And, and then if you go up and you look at Sweden, which, you know, look, Russia's got St. Petersburg, they've got Kaliningrad in the Baltic Sea. Sweden, not NATO, but now obviously Russia's threatening. Finland, not NATO, but also uh, Putin, uh, Putin is, uh, well, Russia's basically threatening them. They're both in these same meetings with NATO. So when Moscow is like, oh, we don't want NATO on our borders, like they've been there, dude. Mm-hmm. Not, not, I mean, I, I, I know Sweden and Finland, but to act like this is the, the, the line for him now, I, I, perhaps it's fair to say, he, I, I'm not saying he's, he's spiraling out of control like a madman, but he's desperate. Yeah. You know, Russia is not the power it once was, and it's being weakened. It's being pressed upon. 
It's already got NATO on its borders. And now it's going to have Sweden, Finland, Ukraine, Putin. He's done. His only option basically is to bend the knee to the West and say, you know, how may I serve mm-hmm. my leash? And he will. He doesn't want to do that. No. So he's like, I'll go out with a bang, I suppose. Oh, no, I, I think he I think he is a um, I think he's someone that wants to believe in the greatness of Russia, that would, that would love to see the Russian Empire once again on a on a global stage as something that's respected as opposed to kind of a second rate power. Um, I, I mean, again, you're, you're growing up. He was once a KGB right officer like this was a guy that believed in the greatness of Russia, regardless of whether or not he was a communist. Right. And, and I think he sees, again, the, these countries that used to be in the Russian sphere of influence. Um, he's finding different excuses for Casas Belli in order to justify why he's going to war. I think some of this, too, has to do with internal dynamics within Russia. I mean, you have a decreasing birth rate. You have you know, records showing that you've got a, a record number of, of you know, kids in their teenage years that are alcoholics. Right. Look, I, I don't think any of us are shocked by the fact that there are plenty of times when throughout history, when a domestic leader had problems at home, a war abroad was a great way to, you know, kickstart your, your nation and get them focused on something, you know, the, the, again, the greatness of, of whatever it was. And, and look, our nation hasn't been beyond that sort of enticement in, in the past. Um, but so yeah, I don't, I don't buy that it was Ukraine potentially joining, like, would this have yeah. happened anyway? I don't. I don't think NATO was the fulcrum. I think NATO made a convenient excuse for Putin to do something that he already wanted to do. They're they're trying really hard to push this this propaganda, this anti-Trump propaganda. That's it's it's so man. The propaganda is mind numbing. Ugh. You know, it's under Trump. Putin did not make these moves. No. And so the only real response they have, because the first thing I started seeing from these activists was that um, oh oh thank heavens Trump wasn't president when this happened because we'd be worse off and I was like for four years Putin backed off yeah and they said now they're saying it's because Trump gave them everything they wanted because he was he was opposed to NATO it's like he got NATO to pay them more to pay us yeah. more money yeah I mean if anything he was he was stabilizing it in a sense oh so, it, no no it, this is the part where and and I I was I was the other night I was just kind of pissed off and I said. You know, we're, I said, I can't remember how long we're waiting for a bunch of European countries to, you know, ask the United States to intervene in the Ukraine, only to turn around six months later from now and bitch about the United States intervening in Ukraine, <laughs> right? Cause they're, they're always willing to fight to the last drop of American blood to sustain their welfare states. Right. So yep. th- this idea that when, when Trump came in and basically told NATO, Hey, look, a treaty is an agreement. It's a legal agreement and you're not living up to your part of it. Um, that, that lit a fire under their ass and quite frankly, they needed it. And, and the other thing was, is that Putin also understood that Trump didn't draw and look, I, I didn't, there was, there was things about Trump's policy I didn't necessarily agree with, but Trump didn't do this thing that like Obama did where it's, we're going to draw a fake line in the sand. And then when you cross it, we're going to draw a different line in the sand. Putin expected that if Trump said, you do this, we're going to do this, that he would do it. And, and that's, that's a big part of when, when foreign leaders, you know, cannot calculate what you're going to do it, it actually and, and you have the ability to actually make good on your your threats that's a far different dynamic than joe biden ripping everyone out of afghanistan which again i wanted the troops to come home from afghanistan but ripping everyone out the way that he did surrender it, oh my gosh it, it's it's it, afghanistan seemed like they botched that on purpose hmm. how you abandon bagram it, 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 it was just mind-numbingly insane uh, i cannot 
I'm sorry. I know I love to cite Hanlon's razor. <laughs> Never attribute to malice that which can be explained by incompetence. Yeah. But yeah. in this instance, I'm like, there's no way you thought abandoning our Air Force Base before evacuating people yeah. made sense. Maybe because Biden's a bureaucrat with no military. I don't think he's any military experience. Does he even have any <laughs> but, military no, knowledge? Well, yeah. but, but come on. Surrendered okay. and routed our troops. But the guys, but the guys advising him certainly did. Now, I, I this is the part yes. where, this is the part where I do think We've seen this trend within within politics and some of the rhetoric and and the direction the left is going. And I'm not talking about everyone that might be a Democrat, right, or a liberal. I'm talking about the hardcore progressive left. They honestly believe some of this crap where it's like, oh, we're just going to pull everybody out by September 11th in 2021. And that's going to be that's going to be our mark. And it's going to show that we're dedicated to peace. I honestly think Biden is someone that is making a political calculation based off of photo ops and. Honestly, had no idea it was going to go this badly, even though, again, to your point, anybody should have been able to look at that and be like, you cannot pull out this way. But Putin is watching things like that. Let's, let's, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. We have this story from the New York Post. Trump talks about Putin mocking Merkel and more at Mar-a-Lago. Boy, did they bury the lead on this one. The story <laughs> is about Donald Trump threatening to hit the capitals of Russia and China. This is, I mean, these are bold statements. So you want to know why? Why is it that Vladimir Putin did not invade Ukraine under Trump? There are these, there's this, there's this top post on Reddit where they're like, because, you know, Russia put bounties on soldiers in Afghanistan and Trump didn't even do anything about it. This story was fake. Yeah. And yeah. Th- so this is what they believe. No, no, no. Let, let, let me show you exactly what it is. I will scroll down and give you this. There are several other stories making the rounds too. This is from the, from the article. And they are even more provocative. One has it that Trump, noting that Putin seized land from Georgia when George W. Bush was president and seized the Crimean Peninsula when Barack Obama was president, warned Putin against a land grab on his watch. If you move against Ukraine while I'm president, I will hit Moscow. Putin reportedly scoffed, no way. And Trump said all those beautiful golden turrets will be blown up. He reportedly said the same thing to Xi Jinping, that if he made a move against Taiwan, it would be met with an attack on Beijing. She, like Putin, is said to have been stunned. (laughs) Though it's possible neither man believed Trump was serious. I kind of don't like the idea of bombing civilian targets immediately as soon as a regional war happens. But let it be said, Trump was was called a madman by his by his enemies and his supporters. And and, and, And I just want to say. I don't, I don't believe Trump would bomb civilians. I mean, yeah. he, he's the guy who said we're, we're, we're calling off the airstrike on Iran because it would be yeah. too many people would die. Yeah. But Trump is notorious for the big ask. He, he exaggerates his position and then pulls back to a more reasonable spot. That's what he does. He says, I'll buy that. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, if I'm doing the job, I want a million dollars. And they say, Oh, a million. That's crazy. Okay. How about half a million? Mm-hmm. Now he's getting you to half a million dollars. In this instance, he goes to Moscow. He go, or he goes to, uh, Putin. If you invade Ukraine, I will hit Moscow. And Putin's like, no. And Trump's like, yes. Try me. And Putin's like, okay. Oh. This guy's, this guy's a little off his, you know. And they know that he'll be out in four years. They know that the That's American right. democracy so, or republicanism yeah. works so like Putin that. So Putin was like, let the, you know, hold, like the Braveheart meme, yeah. meme, hold. And then Biden comes in. He's like, we good. Yeah. Well, and, and nobody, nobody thinks. I mean, again, this is also some people <laughs> think that diplomacy works with everybody because they honestly believe that, well, if we all just sat around the room and we talked and we understood one another, like I can't remember who it was that said that, you know, Israel and, and Gaza understand each other. Oh, they do. Like, yeah, they, they, they do. don't. They don't like. <laughs> sure I mean, do. <laughs> so this idea that if we just had a better conversation, all the things we'd be fine. No, when you're when you're dealing with people that are either dictatorial or quasi authoritarian or, or whatnot, what they respect is strength. 
And that strength has to be backed up with, with the, first of all, the capability to do it. Could you actually make good on these promises? They all know we could. And then it's the idea of, would he actually do this? And even if they don't <laughs> think he would, the bottom line is that there's a part of him like, damn, he might, he might actually do it. That is it's, the sort of stuff that can stop a war from ever taking place in the first place mm-hmm. and can check aggression. You, you have to have the capability and the willingness and you have to be able to negotiate in a way that your, your, your enemies don't know what you're going to do, but know that the wildest crap is still on the table. You ever play po- You play poker at all? A little bit. Not very good. Sometimes. So when, when, when you, only when, with my life, no. when you're playing holding <laughs> against somebody who doesn't know in. how to play poker, there's a certain advantage they have in that it's hard to know what they're doing because they're Erratic. all over the place. Oh, yeah. So I, I remember when I when I first, like I was like twenty I played a game of poker, I had two seven off suit, and I went all in on it, <laughs> and I got a full house. Oh wow! And I beat a guy who had ace king. You know, it was just it was it was a good hand, and he ended up losing, thinking you can't have anything better. Like I got ace king, yeah. and I think he ended up with like uh, I don't know I don't think he had anything, yeah. but uh, I ended up winning, and he, and he got angry. He was like, "Why did you?" I'm like, oh, "I won, didn't I?" Oh. I have, so, I have lost more hands with pocket aces than like. <laughs> that's right, right. It's cause you, you're like, it's a, it, I mean, it's a fantastic, it's one of the best hands to go in on. Yeah. Pre-flop. Uh, yeah. Pre-flop. Right? Maybe flop, ace king yeah. suited. But uh, anyway, the point is, with Donald Trump, Putin's like, I don't think he'll bomb Moscow, but I also don't know if he knows what he's doing either. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how he'll respond. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> how can, how can you make a plan for war? What Sun Tzu said, win the war before, you know, yeah. before you actually start it. How could you plan against a man like Trump? He was like, look, we're going to wait a few years because I don't know what this guy's doing. Well, and, and he was the, – the other thing too that I think shocked a lot of people and one of the things that impressed me most about Trump is that – is how reserved he actually was in foreign policy when it came to actually deploying people into harm's way to get shot at, right? There's a lot of other – again, Joe Biden, there's the whole Teddy Roosevelt thing, right? Walk softly, carry a big stick. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden mumbles and carries no stick. And and once people get used to that idea, then they know they can walk all over you. And it doesn't matter what your capability is because you don't have the willingness to use it. Yep. Now, whereas Trump had the capability, again, he was actually a lot more reserved. When, when that whole thing happened in Iran and it was, no, we're not going to do this because I'm not going to – one, it's immoral to kill a bunch of people that had nothing to do with any of this. Two, it doesn't make sense on a practical level to keep – you know, uh, to create a bunch of enemies off of killing civilians. But when it came to Syria – and then there was a legitimate thing to strike. Like he struck, he struck hard. He was in there quick. He didn't have any, you know, aspirations to like remake Syria. It was just this is the weirdest thing about the whole the whole argument about Trump and you know what he what you know uh, why Putin didn't attack because they're acting like Trump was was favorable to Russia. <laughs> and I guess in some ways you can argue Trump's disdain for NATO, but Trump's disdain for NATO. There's a video going around of Trump sitting at the, a meeting table with them saying, "Why are we?" Paying for your defense against Russia, and then you're negotiating billion-dollar gas deals, making you dependent on Russia. Thank you. It was not helping Russia that Trump sanctioned Nord Stream 2. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden, May 2021, lifted the sanctions on Nord Stream 2, and all of us were like, why? Are you doing? As he was shutting down the Keystone Pipeline. Right. Yes. right yeah. And then, and then it, it was appeasement. Is that what it was? The, the idea was, well, if we give him a little, then we can take it away if he does bad. And it's like, he's got nothing to lose then. Yeah. He's like, you gave me free stuff so I can invade anyway and lose what I already didn't have. Whatever. Yeah. And then he did. Yeah. Putin did. Well, and, and, and he also, again, it's, it's this idea. I, I've, it's incredible to me that there's this honest belief that anybody's capable of sitting down at the table and no, you have completely different objectives. You have completely different worldviews. You, you have 
you know, completely different capabilities, interests, etc. Now, that's not to say that you still can't have a productive conversation with someone engage in effective diplomacy. But effective diplomacy only takes place when people actually believe that there will be consequences for their actions if yeah. they go against yep. you. And I, I think... You know, I wonder about Vladimir Putin's term of mind, but I do know we talk a lot about uh, Strassau generational theory. Are you mm-hmm. familiar with it? Fourth mm-hmm. turning. Hard times make strong men. Yeah. I think about the motivations of Vladimir Putin. He wants he wants Russian greatness. Mm-hmm. He wants that empire back. And he knows, you know what? Maybe things will get worse off for the people of Russia, but that will be good for them spiritually in the, in the long run. I'm not saying it literally will. I'm saying that's yeah. his mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And so his idea is, look, we go to war. We are more are, are are more willing, have 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 less to lose than these Western nations, and it will harden up our people a little bit in the long run. Maybe he thinks he's planting what, some what seeds. I, what I understand, maybe I'm playing devil's advocate. America took Iraq, Russia takes Ukraine, China takes Taiwan. Then we're done with it. Can we just be done with it and move on? <laughs> I don't. I don't. Can we not? Can we trade Iraq for? <laughs> yeah, I would love to trade Iraq for maybe no conquest. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, Greenland's going to be super valuable in the 21st century. Yeah, Greenland. And beyond. How about, how about this? We, we, Russia, you can have Ukraine. Who's going to get Greenland? Uh, it's uh, Denmark, isn't China it? Denmark Taiwan. has it. Yeah. The Kingdom we, of Denmark. Yeah. We'll Talk take, about we'll get, an, get an ally early because yeah. in, in 100 years, they're going to be mega powerful. <laughs> Unless someone seizes. Yeah, it's going to melt. And it's going to be so much oil and lithium and we have, we have beachfront a, we have property. Alaska. Yeah. We have Alaska. Yeah. We do have Alaska. We conquered no, it, didn't we? No, we it, bought it. We bought it. We yeah, conquered Seward. Hawaii. Senator Seward. Yeah. We conquered Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't there like like ten years ago. I think it was a bunch of Native Hawaiians stormed like the state building and occupied it or something. Oh, yeah, they oh, still really? get pissed yeah. about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. A lot of the islanders. Well, too. yeah, they're like, we had a king. Like America came and took it. Well, America wanted a Pacific, you know, military operation. It looks like uh, Putin wants the Black Sea. He wants to control the Black Sea. Well, okay. So this this is what I think is interesting. I was talking to a buddy of mine, Christian, who who works with us, really good historian, and um, he's done a lot of research on what's going on in the Ukraine. Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay back-breaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com carlson. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com carlson. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. carshield.com carlson. That's carshield.com slash Carlson. And we were talking about, okay, what, what are some of the possible angles here, right? Because the most obvious one is, all right, Crimea used to be part of Russia. It actually got worked into the border with Ukraine after uh, Nikita Khrushchev shut down the uh, the insurgency that the Ukrainians had launched against the Soviet Union, right? It got Crimea went from the Russian SSR over to the Ukrainian SSR. It was like, well, it's not a big deal. We're all the USSR. Right. Well, when you have the breakaway republics, now all of a sudden you have these areas which ethnically, culturally, you could even argue historically, are more Russian that are now not part of that. So, okay, again, if you're looking for Casas Bella, you could say maybe he was he's interested in getting back parts of Russia that he thinks always belong to Russia and want to be Russian anyways. But as I look at the Black Sea and as I look at the, the Belt and Road Initiative by China and I look at what they're trying to do with respect to their overland trade, um, 
I have a feeling that the more access you have to the Caspian Sea, the more access you have to the Black Sea, the more important that that's going to be from a, a trade and economic perspective. Not to mention the fact that if he gets away with doing this in Ukraine, who the hell is going to stop him when it comes to Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan? Oh, absolutely. And now we're talking about yep. minerals. We're talking about you know overland routes. We're talking about natural gas. Who's going to stop him then? And look at look at the strategy he's using. Donald Trump called it genius savvy. And the media has CNN actually ran an article saying Trump sides with Putin. Oh my god! Did you he, did you he, he, Trump said it was a genius move. It was savvy, and it wouldn't have happened under me. It's sad. So I don't think that's siding with Putin. I think no. he's like you know you, you mentioned acknowledging that your enemy is a genius is can be very good to defeat your enemy. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and so you mentioned you know in in war at the negotiating table, people will only respect power. Mm-hmm. Respect often people uh, people conflate some words with positivity like greatness, excitement, mm-hmm. or respect. You can respect someone and despise them. Oh yeah. You can be excited and 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 in despair. Not happy. Yeah. 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 You, you, you yeah, can you, you can be a great man and pure evil. Genghis yeah. Khan. Great is just I mean, maybe a, not evil, a magnitude. But, evil? Yes. but we often view greatness in a positive way. Like he was a yeah. great man. It's like that could just mean a powerful man. A conqueror. Be, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and there's Alexander. A, there's a, I the mean, great. and when it's funny too, you you would think the same left. That whenever when it, when Trump said "Make America Great Again" and they all came out with their little head, "Well, make America good again." Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, so you get that there's a difference, right, right. between the right. two. And then when when he comes out and says, "Yeah, this was a genius move on his part for these reasons," it could be genius and I, bad. What was he referencing when he said it was genius specifically? The, the, so Vladimir Putin says, "Oh, look, these regions are independent." I'm going to send in a peacekeeping force to, yeah. to keep the peace. And Trump was actually being sarcastic. It was like, oh, yeah, peacekeeping force. Well, yeah. Look at all those tanks. That's a peacekeeping yeah. force. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, he's siding with Putin. He was, he was being, he was being sarcastic. Yeah. But it was, it was a clever move for Putin to be like, well, you know, they're independent, so we can go help them. And it's like, oh. Yeah. That's how you right. win a war without, Castle before Philly. it begins, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, but let's talk about, you know, I, we, we always do it. The, the double standards and the hypocrisy of <laughs> our good Democrat voter and activist friends. Take a look at this story from TimCast.com. Ukraine says they have supplied 18,000 weapons to citizens. Anti-gun leftists celebrate their efforts. <laughs> My favorite is Occupy Amazing. Democrats. Let me, let me pull up this image. From Defiant Els, Occupy Democrats first tweeted, no civilian needs an AR-15, regardless of whatever, whatever men- mental gymnastics you do, you are a very special breed of stupid. And they then, you know, about six years later, breaking, Ukraine's interior minister announces that 10,000 automatic rifles have been handed out oh. to the civilians of automatic. Kiev as they prepare to fight tooth and nail to defend their homes against Putin's invasion. RT if you stand with the brave people of Ukraine. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on, everybody. I think Occupy Democrats are right. I think Joe Biden's correct. You know what? I was wrong to criticize the establishment when they said Putin was a very real threat. I stand corrected, you guys. You're right. I think our government should join in as well and give all of the yes. United States citizens some automatic weapons. <laughs> yes. So uh, because Vladimir Putin's such a big threat a to th- all we of could us. Be yeah. Yeah, we could be next. Yeah, we could be next. Yeah, right. I'm terrified. And, and and China, you know. Oh, but but, but Putin. So um, I'll take a I'll take a fully a, a select fire Kalashnikov. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Something. I mean, while you're handing him out. Yeah. <laughs> Regarding this guy's first tweet, where he's talking to the the air, and then he says, "You're stupid." This is something I think people should avoid. This is a little off topic. When you're when you're using social media and you're like complaining towards someone and you start insulting them. If you do it on social media, a lot of people that 
are unintendedly reading it are going to feel like you're insulting them. Yeah. So don't do that. You are a very special breed of stupid. Yeah, who are you occupied, talking to me? No, they're talking to themselves. Apparently. <laughs> because now they're tweeting that he's – they and they actually say civilians like – no civilian is an AR-15. To be fair, wow. they're handing out collision costs. Oh, yeah. So keep in mind here. They think a, they still think AR stands for automatic rifle. Yes. So Wait. what's, what's crazy oh. is they don't think any civilian needs a semi-automatic rifle, but no. they are thrilled they about fully automatic rifles. AKs yeah. going out to people. That, that, that's actually a really good point. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we're being mean to our good yeah. friends. Yeah. No civilian needs an AR-15. Yeah. What they're really they saying need. is, it's semi-auto. Yeah, it's not, not sufficient. No, not you need select fire. Tanks. Yeah. Correct. Right, right. Not against tanks. And if one of those M1. selects is not full auto, then occupied Democrats is not satisfied. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. 50 BMG. <laughs> oh so, so maybe what they're really saying is that um, no, no, no civilian needs a, 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 a semi-auto single shot. Come on. Yes. You need full auto. That's right. <laughs> Only the best. That's what they're getting at the whole time. <laughs> but, let's, let, let, but let's talk about the asymmetrical warfare, though, because, um, yeah. I mean, this is the reality. When, when, when you try to invade someone else, the, the big challenge for Vladimir Putin is going to be demoralized Russian soldiers, a finite amount of them, mm-hmm. versus the entirety of of Ukraine civilians who have remained, mm-hmm. who are going to be like, I'm going to fight you. Which is actually surprising. There's there's a number. I I think a lot of people, and I think Putin thought this would be something where, hey, as soon as the armored divisions go rolling across the border, you know, presidents leaving the country, you know, uh, nope. I he mean, put on body armor. Yeah, I mean, you got you got to hand it to him. Like Poroshenko took out a gun, right? I don't know if I believe it. It's propaganda, but it's good I propaganda. It. Yeah, if, if you're it trying is. to rally, I mean, let's face it. If especially when you're engaging in asymmetric warfare, you are the weaker party. Propaganda is one of the key things you're going. To. We still got Democrats that think that we lost the Tet Offensive. Right. Why? Because Walter Cronkite said we lost the Tet Offensive. Oh, I thought we lost the Tet Offensive. Yeah. <laughs> didn't people just get rolled over? Yeah. North Vietnam and all, all down Vietnam. Didn't the, the Americans get annihilated? During no, that? no. Didn't what happen. What happened? Yeah. Are you serious? On the Tet Offensive, what happened? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Well, real quick segue. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Go for it. So, so, Vietnam. so, so yeah. In Vietnam, the Viet Cong launched a, a massive attack all throughout the country during Tet, which was supposed to be a ceasefire within the, the Vietnamese calendar, right? And so they, they, they made like some, Fairly major gains quickly, but with like in uh, several weeks, they had taken massive amounts of casualties. We're like talking like 20 to 1. At that point, it was after the Tet Offensive that the North Vietnamese, actual North Vietnamese army had to start coming in and supporting because we had almost wiped out the Viet Cong after the Tet Offensive. They threw, they threw the kitchen sink at it and they got obliterated. So it, it looked bad overnight, be, partly because our own military, you know, leaders were saying, "Oh yes, they're on their heels; they can't do anything." Well, they launched this major offensive that was unexpected. They got temporary gains, but they got destroyed. But it didn't matter. the The propaganda campaign that went along with it made it look like one, the military or the the government was lying to the people, which is certainly not hard to believe. And then the other two was that this never would have happened if we were actually in the good shape that we were. And as Thomas Sowell likes to say, when a democracy decides you've lost the war, you've lost it. And so that was the problem. But again, if, if you look at something like this, the, the propaganda component for an asymmetric force is critical. Psychology is one of the most important things in a war. Yeah. That's why yeah. we're seeing so much propaganda because making people feel like we can win, we should win, and we have to win is important 
to keeping people in the fight. Mm-hmm. So there's a video of Poroshenko, you know, throwing a, a, a strap over. He's got he's got a rifle of some sort, and he's like, "I'm here on the ground," and he's like, "Here's all the you know other um, people I'm fighting with." You've got President Zelensky, and he's like, "I'm with the Prime Minister. I'm with the Cabinet from this guy. We're here on the ground." He's got like a, a vest on because the people of Ukraine they're going to see that. And they're being handed out guns. Yeah. And they're and and when you see your leader on the battlefield with you, they're gonna be like, it's um like my favorite movie, The Patriot, with Mel Gibson. I often say, <laughs> good movie. When he says, hold the line, and he runs back. Yeah. When they're retreating, and then they they pull forward and win. That's the thing. But let me tell you, I, I, what you know, you mentioned we got into Vietnam. I gotta I gotta tell mm-hmm. you the story I read. It's fascinating. So uh, uh, the U.S. was trying to engage in psychological warfare. Mm-hmm. It's something I read on the internet. Perhaps it's not true. And so what they did was. They knew that the Vietnamese were very superstitious. So they made these, these creepy recordings of wailing, haunting Vietnamese, like Viet Cong soldiers saying, you know, uh, uh, why did I fight? I should have gone home. They believe, they believe, uh, that if you are not given a proper burial, mm-hmm. you're forced to haunt wherever it was oh, you geez. died. So in, in the, 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 you know, the, the forestry, the jungle or whatever, they're playing in these loudspeakers wailing Viet Cong voices saying, flee while you still can or you'll be trapped like me. Mm-hmm. It was so effective, the South Vietnamese fled as well and so they had to stop doing it. <laughs> oh, that's wow. just, I don't know if it's true. It sounds amazing. It's, it's one of, magic. It's yeah. one of those stories you hear, you know, it's probably apocryphal or something. Yeah, it's, it's one of those stories that if it's not true, it ought to be, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's kind of messed up though, you know, going after people's, like, a, it's like a psychic yeah. attack on the Superstitious on the cultures tend to get wiped out, I think. Are there any that exist anymore? I don't think so. There's a lot of superstitious cultures. Like, like the Christians? Cal Berkeley. No. There's, there's <laughs> Christian and Islam, which are both kind of superstitious. Yeah, there's tons of, like, Americans have tons of superstitions. But like, it's easy to manipulate someone if they're superstitious. Go to a, go to a casino. And you will see oh, I did. how superstitious or a sporting everyone event. or a sporting event. Yeah. So you'll yeah, see, you'll see a point. guy like tap his coat can five times. Yeah. Before well, that concerns me because superstitious people are easy to manipulate. Well, it's like, it's like Michael Scott says, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah but, man. So, so, uh, let it be known. They're giving out all these guns to regular people because it works. Yeah. I want to see Biden hitting a speed yeah. bag. I need some motivation. <laughs> Get on the floor, bro. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Oh, that's a funny Give thought. Give me some you speed. Know, I'll, I'll tell you what, what'll be interesting on this though, is that, and, and this is the part where, okay, again, how does Ukraine stall Russia? How does Ukraine like capture the, the press and the media and the propaganda and all of this? And, and this is going to be interesting because it's the first war we've seen like this where literally everybody has got access to the world to some degree from their phone. Yeah. So you imagine uh, partisans out there doing this sort of stuff and then making a TikTok about it. Right. That, that's going to be, that's going to be a fascinating thing to potentially watch from not just from a propaganda perspective, but a sharing information perspective. Because if, if you don't think terrorist organizations already use social media in order to coordinate their activities, um, that there's, regardless of what ends up happening here, there's going to be a lot of research and study going into how social media influenced it from a propaganda, from a coordination standpoint. Uh, because there's there's good ways for partisans to fight, and there's really stupid ways for partisans to fight, and partisans should not be taking on a T90 with their AK-47, right? This is it's it's just crazy. I I, I I'm trying to figure out why Putin would do this. I'm I, and the only thing I come up with is it's it's the last great hoorah of a dying empire. They're not part of NATO. If I play Crusader yeah. Kings too, you know, I play a lot of like battle <laughs> conquest, grand simulation strategy games. And if you have a lot of countries with a defensive pact against you, but one of them isn't in the pact, that's the country you hit and you take it fast and then you're done. And then no one complains anymore. It's just back to base zero again. 
and hopefully no one else signs up for the pact. And if someone drops out of the pact, they're hungry. They're a meaty target. Oh, he, he's got a he's got a war weary United States, which is the only one that has any teeth. He's yeah. got a Europe that's been you know hit by COVID and doesn't want to deal with this crap. And everyone everyone on, on the Western side can say Ukraine wasn't a part of NATO. Now, if you do it to Poland, we'll be pissed. Poland's right? not but, in NATO right or, excuse now. Excuse me, if you do it to Estonia, right, we'll we'll be Poland's pissed. In, Poland's in NATO. Yeah, Poland's in so NATO. So is Estonia. Yeah, yeah Estonia, yeah. Latvia, Lithuania. Should we get yeah. out of NATO? Yeah. What do you think? Because we, so we've, I, had some, we've had those conversations here. Yeah. We pull I, I, all the weight. We do, we do pull all the weight. It's going to be interesting to see what happens because, well, NATO hasn't been attacked, right? So it would be interesting to see – well, not that I'm wishing for this. Huh. Um, I do think that there's something to be said. And this is the part, and this is the part where I'm, I'll probably get a little bit amped up um, because, again, I've, I've lost friends overseas fighting wars that you know, I'm, I'm not so sure were, were the best decision on America's part. Mm. Um, but one of the things that has has maintained the level of peace that we've seen since World War II, and obviously there's been horrible conflict, conflicts in Vietnam, in Korea, and, and other places that we've been involved in and that we haven't been involved in, but nothing like the massive bloodshed we saw in World War One and World War II. And the reason why we have that, and the reason why for the last 30 years we haven't even imagined a conflict like this, the reason why this is surprising the living piss out of everybody is because of U.S. military dominance. That's why. The same thing that a lot of our allies are constantly bitching about and, and coming to the United States and talking about, oh, you know, they're, they're always throwing their weight around. They're always going. Yeah. And, and because we have and because people know we can, it, it has kept people at bay and no one's going to convince me otherwise. It really uh, has. I think so. Yeah. And so now we're at a point. Where you do, you have a war-weary United States, you have a global pandemic that took place, we have a country that we have no legal obligation to defend. And I think that the, the kind of the world order post-Cold War is being challenged right now by Putin. And he's probably picked the best possible time to do it. And, and again, that's why I said that. The, the same countries that will want the United States to intervene to do the heavy lifting for them, if we decide to do it, will be bitching about us six months from now. And so I don't think we should. Now, does that mean do we, we pull out of things like NATO? I think there's, I think there's value with, with the United States being the preeminent military power. And I, I think that does do something to preventing other nations from getting a little bit froggy when they shouldn't. Mm. Um, but one of the things, again, that I appreciated about how Trump handled this was he went back to NATO and he made a very real possibility that you might not be able to rely on us because you're not pulling your weight. And, and that's not the same for allies that we have in like South Korea or Taiwan. They do pull their weight. They do recognize the threat and they do recognize their responsibility to hold back the threat. And yes, they depend on the United States for support, but they don't, they don't have this expectation that they don't got to do the fighting because we got this. And so I, I think one of the positive things that could come out of this is a lot of these countries that it's become real popular to trash the United States, um, are going to realize that, you know what, what do you think your country would look like Western Europe? If it was Putin that had the military and economic power that the United States had, you think we'd be having these conversations? Nope. You think we'd be talking about Eastern Ukraine or you think we'd be talking about the South of France right now? So just remember, as much as the United States may screw up on our foreign policy, as much as we might at a time where we had all the power, all the money, all the military might show me the country that we annexed into the United States in order to expand our own empire or Iraq. But we didn't. We we don't we don't own Iraq. Not on paper. 
No, no, I, not not at all. I mean, it, again, the way that the, you look at you look at Russia. If Russia takes over Ukraine, watch what happens in Ukraine. It's going to be nothing like what happened in. Iraq. Yeah, I was really impressed with the Spanish-American War. What I've read about it is that the Americans basically liberated Cuba for better or worse. They didn't invade and take it. They get they kicked the Spanish Empire out and were like, now Cuba's free. Yeah, I mean, we didn't do that in the Philippines, but <laughs> right, we didn't do that in the Philippines <laughs> but, or in Wake well, Island so, again, or in the this, this is not me suggesting that the United States military has not had our, our own little brush with empire. We've done things that we shouldn't have done. I mean, go look at what Lincoln was saying about the Mexican-American War. Go look at what Grant was saying about the Mexican-American War, about how we, we kind of picked a fight with a country we knew we could kick the crap out of and then got a lot of territory from it. So, like, I, again, I'm not saying we're we're perfect, but if you look at the the situation in the world, it has been the the level of peace and security that has existed in certain parts of the world, especially in Western Europe, has been as a direct result of U.S. military. It's dominance. The, the Kissinger limited war doctrine. He was a big part of creating this idea that we're going to create we're going to fight proxy wars only so that we don't go to total war. I, I mean, I'm not a huge Kissinger fan. Me neither. No, but no. Um, <laughs> but that was his. Yeah, I, I'm not yeah. a huge Kissinger fan, and I'm. It, I think it's. I don't like to call it the proxy war idea that like okay, if we just get involved in a bunch of little wars, we'll stop big ones. I do think there's an argument to say that there is such a thing as the Sudetenland moment, right? Where there was a point where the French military, the the British military. If they had intervened in Sudetenland or if they'd intervened when, you know, the Nazis were going into Czechoslovakia and just carving it up because they could, would, would that whole scene turn out a lot differently than if they waited all the way till Poland? And, and I, I think there's an argument to be made there. I, I think there's an argument to be made that you, you identify when someone has larger aspirations, when they have the military and capability to do it, and you intervene at a point where they realize that, okay, we're not going to get away with this. You don't let them build up a certain significant amount of power to where they now can potentially get away with it. That's kind of what we've been doing in Iran. Well, like I've heard the Stuxnet, we blew up infrastructure. Yeah. I think have they targeted them with weapons, blew up weapons depots and stuff. I don't know how, how I mean, hot the, it's gotten. The, the, Stux, the Stuxnet was obviously you know fairly significant, and they've also tried to manage their growth through through um, sanctions. And, and so we could have done that to Germany. Looking back in retrospect, we could have tried to to, to somehow disrupt their rise to power but it was internal it was like how could we get involved and stop the military machine from creating itself no i, I think it's more of and, and again i'm i'm i am very i tend to i always side with non-interventionists and then you need to explain why something is so significant that the united states men and women need to bleed for it right mm -hmm. that's my starting point now when you're talking about something like germany again when you have internal issues i i, I tend to say look you stay out of those those are internal issues piece of westophilia right <laughs> but once you start seeing naked aggression like you did with the Sudetenland with Germany or like you did with Czechoslovakia then I, I think there is some argument to say like okay is it is it appropriate at this point to intervene on some level what? now now what there's a big difference there's there's a you know there's uh I'm trying to think of the word now um there, there's levels of force that you apply right there's an escalation of force not everything has to be like you went into the Sudetenland. I'm nuking Berlin, right? It's not that, but it sounds it, like Trump. Yeah, right. I'll well, hit Moscow. But that's the thing. It, it's there's a difference between okay, what's going to be your escalation of force, right? That's what you know. That's not what you share with the rest of the world. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day. You're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You want 
you want Putin thinking you you send one Russian troop into Ukraine, right? And I'm I'm going into Moscow, right? It's going to be I'm going to set up a Trump hotel in downtown Moscow, <laughs> right? Because he doesn't know if you're actually going to do it. And so that's where there's a difference between, okay, w- what should be our actual strategy versus what sort of strategy should we project, right? And th- our enemies don't get to know this one. They just get to know what we're capable of. R- B- Biden said recently, you know, the, the minor incursion, it depends on if it's a minor incursion. He gave, that's, that's, that was a peace, that was preemptive, preemptive appeasement. Oh, so Biden stupid. should have said outright, We'll go into Moscow. All right, Biden's the Neville We're Chamberlain not playing. of our time. Yeah. Uh, or, 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 I mean, and, and worse, possibly the Buchanan. Yeah. But he could have said, we won't tolerate this. Europe won't tolerate this. Ukraine, Poland, the Baltic states, Western Europe, none of it. If Putin makes this move, we go into Moscow day one. Try me. Yeah, you get the president of France, England, like, well, you know, Germany, minor, United the, States. The thing is, that, here's what I'll say, though. If Biden had said that. He would have flubbed. Show of hands on who believes that. <laughs> right. like, I don't well, buy that. He would have been reading a prompter and he would go, come on, man. We go, we're going to Moscow. We're going to, whatever. We're going to Moscow. I, look here. Forget it. Corn pop. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to Moscow. Vladimir Putin's a bad dude who's got some bad boys. <laughs> Someone called you Putin know. a bad dude yesterday. Or, was that, you, know, or you, you might have called that. him a bad dude earlier. Yeah, yeah. I think he was going to say bad mother in, yeah. uh, in the video. You can hear him start to say the word mother, and he yeah. stops himself and says dude Jeez. instead. Yeah. Bad Biden said that. Dude, Biden, yeah. When he listens, he's going to start saying dude real dude. weird. Bad m- dude. Yeah. Bad m- dude. This is Let's, like when, when Hitler went into Poland to, to like reconquer part of Poland that had been stripped away after mm-hmm. the First World War and give it back because apparently he said there was a genocide of, of German expats in Poland yeah. that they were committing. Um, Putin says the same thing. There's a, a genocide of Russians in eastern Ukraine that's been going on for eight years. I haven't heard an inkling of this in the media. I don't no. know if it's real or complete propaganda, but this was Hitler's reason for invading Poland, or part of it. Probably also to connect, you know, more land bridges and stuff. Because he had Hitler was like ready to take over the world. There's there's a, there's a conflict in in the Donbass region, and you've got people saying, yeah, the separatists are dying. You've got people saying Ukrainians are dying. And both sides will use what they can to justify their positions. Yeah. I, I don't know who's more right or more morally right. I don't know. I, I know that both sides are making those assertions. I, I think that I think Putin is doing what he wanted to do, and then he found reasons to do it. So should we? I guess my question is: Should we treat this like how we treated Hitler invading Poland? Where it's a different time, and I'll preempt I, that. I little. don't. I don't either, because America took Iraq twenty years ago, and that that was gave the Russians uh, no, no opportunity no. to match the playing field. You you can't look. Two wrongs don't make a right. The U.S. screwed up with Iraq and Afghanistan. They're we, screwing up today by still being absolutely. there. Absolutely, it's not absolutely. like it happened. It's happening right now. I'm screwed up miserably They're leaving screwing Afghanistan. Up as, yeah, but we can't be like, well, Russia gets to take a sovereign country because <laughs> the United States did it too. That's that. Well, you can't and, do and, that. and even then, the thing that I go back to is that with, with Iraq and Afghanistan, there was there was no point where Iraq became the 51st state or or Afghanistan became a territory. Now again. I, I don't, I think there was huge problems with the way we did a lot of it. Now, I don't think it was wrong to go after the Taliban. I don't think it was wrong to go after terrorism. I don't think any of that was wrong. I think there was something significantly wrong with this idea that we're going to come in here, completely devastate whatever current government is in charge, and then we're going to go ahead and recreate you on our image. But uh, I think it was uh, Ron Paul who said that when it came to the, the Taliban after 9-11, we should have issued letters of mark and reprisal, specifically yeah. targeting the group, not the country, mm-hmm. not going after Taliban. They would have cannibalized each other. It would have been awesome. Instead, it was like, let's nation build for 20 years. Oh, no. If you, if you look at the initial invasion. So again, in, in the military, I was 
Army Special Forces, it's better known as Green Berets. Green Berets focus on unconventional warfare counterinsurgency. What does that mean? It means when we go into a country, we work by, through, and with local allies, the indigenous population. You look at the opening days of Afghanistan. We're talking about you had agency in there. You had you know I, several hundred Green Berets working with the Northern Alliance. And within, what, a couple of months, like they had kicked the Taliban out of like Kandahar? And it was all by, through, and with the local population. And what would have been fascinating to watch, and, and, and who knows what would have happened, what would have been fascinating to watch is what sort of organic solutions people would have come up to. And I'm sure it would have been, you know, ugly, and I'm sure it would have been brutal at times, everything else, but it wouldn't have been the United States saying, no, 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 we're not just going to fight the Taliban. We're going to take over the entire country. We're going to take over the entire war. It's now our war. We're going to help you with your infrastructure. We're going to help because some of this, I don't know if you've ever seen, read the book or seen the movie, Charlie Wilson's war. A big argument that they made is that we went in there to help the Mujahideen against the Soviets. And then we didn't stand by, stay behind in order to help with some of the infrastructure. And so it got out of hand. And so this time was, well, we're not going to repeat that mistake. We'll just double down and take over the whole damn thing. Okay. No, you're trying to impose certain cultural, political, social changes on a culture that is not necessarily interested in the social changes that you're trying to affect. It doesn't matter whether or not you think it's more moral than what they currently have. If you don't have buy-in there, then don't expect to be able to do it unless you're willing to stay there for a hundred years. That's my concern with Iraq. They say it's not a state, but what's the plan? Either we're going to be there for a hundred years and it may but as well be a we're state. Not, we have no significant military presence Right, yeah, it's, it's drawn down None. substantially. I, I, I just don't believe that. I don't know where that comes, that idea comes from, what? but it's like locked down by the United States. Or whoever's there, is it American weapons in the Iraqi puppets' hands? Like, it's a large nation that has well, been well defended by the United States for two decades. Oh, we've been, we have not been a significant military force on the ground in Iraq for, gosh dang, we're probably, I mean, I'm trying to think of the actual, I was less over there in 08. I think by 2013, we were really drawing down significantly. Um, so no, I mean we have not had a significant military presence in Iraq for I mean it's getting close to you know. Yeah, I think now. under Obama he 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 pulled all the troops out of Iraq, put them into Afghanistan. He he moved a lot down there, then he reinforced in Afghanistan. And by the Trump by the time Trump was in there, I mean we have a huge embassy over there. There was some military presence, but that was one of the big complaints, right? Is that the reason why ISIL was able to come in and do so much was because we didn't have a significant U.S. military presence. It seems like Iraq is a staging ground, and so is Afghanistan for like Russian in- interference, for Iranian, Iran. yeah, Iranian. They've got Syria on the border. They're close to Egypt in the south. They've got a, their eyes poking into Saudi Arabia's north border. Well, that's been. I mean, Saudi Arabia was. Was when the during the Cold War, Iraq, uh, especially Syria and all that, that was very clearly Soviet sphere of influence. Iraq was a little bit because they were they were taking most of the military equipment. Egypt was Soviet influence at a, at a certain point, and then Saudi Arabia was more U.S. influence. Um, so it, it's just been an interesting dynamic. But keep in mind, all those borders were you know drawn by British map makers. So. Yeah, after World War I wanna, II, I want to I want to talk about modern day piracy. That's an interesting conversation. Yeah. So uh, we have this story from Cyber News, anonymous leaks database of the Russian Ministry of Defense. We had this report out of uh, NBC that Biden had been presented with U.S. plans for cyber attacks, direct attacks on Russian infrastructure. My position has been this for some time. The modern day pirate or Corsair is going to be the hacker. Yeah. Governments, because we watched this happen. When, uh, back in the, uh, what do they call it? They call it the, um, 
What was the time of the colonial? Uh, there, there's, a, there's a word for it, like the oh, s- sail. Barbary pirates and the. It's like it's called like the sail era or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we, I say like colonial times, but um, age of sail. The age of sail, oh, I think yeah. it was. So uh, uh, the, the crowns would issue letters of mark, which basically would commission a private warship to attack enemies during a time of war, and they could then capture it, bring it in, and get a reward for it. It was it was a simple way of being like, we don't got to pay for your repairs, we don't got to pay for the ship. You find your own crew, you bring a ship, we'll pay you for it. We'll make it worth your while. So governments would effectively commission pirates, corsairs, to go and, you know, stage these, these acts. Then the, and the, the other, the, uh, the other country would be like, your, your ships are taking us. Oh, no, 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 no. Those are pirates. Don't look at us. So now we have anonymous hacking <laughs> RT and shutting them down, hacking Russian Ministry of Defense. And I don't, I don't buy it. First of all, it's probably just like U.S. cyber warriors. And if it isn't, it's effectively letters of mark. The U.S. government saying private hackers, go for it and have fun. Take what you can from Russia. Think about it this way. You've got black hat hackers. Mm -hmm. These are the people who just want to rip you off and steal what they can. You got gray hat hackers, hacktivists, politically motivated and white hat, corporate security types. The government can go to these black hats, effectively pirates. Heck, some of them are probably pirating software online, literally. And they'll be like, anything you steal from Russia, you will not be prosecuted for. Any information you rip off, any databases, I'm willing to bet these people are being given carte blanche by the U.S. government. So you think they're getting paid in the, through the dark web or something? Not necessarily paid, but you, you, I'm willing to bet you've got like FBI going to this black hat hacker and being like, you know, we got that, that case against you. We're going to drop it if you can hit these Russian targets. Okay, I think that's what they did with Jack survive. Ruby with the Kennedy thing. He was like a mobster, and they gave him – he got well, off. I don't know about all that. For killing, for killing a, a suspect. It was crazy. I think it's as simple as, you know, we know who you are. We know you're good. Why don't you use your skills to help the United States, and we'll look the other way. So they're blackmailing criminal hackers – in so, part, in addition to maybe other things. Well, blackmail. They're like, we're going to let you have carte blanche to steal whatever you yeah. want. And we won't know repercussions. Or we'll punish you unless you steal whatever you want. No, I, and I, then I, we'll I, turn it off. That's true. I, I think you're, and again, you're, you're, there, there's not a lot of people talking about this because when, when people talk about, we've just gotten so used to, oh, the president wants to go to war. I guess we'll go do that now. Um, but there are constitutional ways to deal with certain threats. You know, when is the declaration of war, which is supposed to be done by, you know, Congress? Um, that's a fairly laborious process. The other thing that the president has as a as a tool now again, if you're if you're going to engage in major action, you're still supposed to get approval from Congress to do this. It's not right. like they can do it. But the whole idea of letters and mark and reprisal and and kind of the the last president I think we had that issued one was Madison. Wow. Um, and it, and it was and again, don't quote me on that, but I think and again, part of that was going after the you know the Barbary pirate wars, and the United States didn't have a you know a huge navy or anything like that, and so it, it made sense to do this. And I actually think it makes a lot of sense toward non-state actors when you're talking about terrorist organizations, and uh, like you said, the, the modern day pirates are the, the hackers, hackers, man. They can they they can do more damage with a couple lines of code um, than you know. Dude, that's the we're talking about deep fakes. I saw a video oh, of a, a jet coming in, and then it fired two rockets at that building that where the camera guy was. And then you hear the kids screaming, and it's like, was that fake? Was you know, that deep fake? I can't yeah. tell. I saw a deep fake today that really freaked me out. It confused me, and I don't, I don't even know what to believe. It's it's Vladimir Putin fishing, but he has large female breasts. <laughs> it's got to be fake. It's on the front page of Reddit. <laughs> can't no, that's, be real. That's, that's real. American that's propaganda. Real. Oh, that, that, real. that happened. Yeah. 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 That's been confirmed. He's that, 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 is a, that is an image on the front page of Reddit. Yeah. Putin with large breasts fishing and topless, oh and I'm just like, I see that stuff, and I'm annoyed by it. 
because <laughs> it is the, not the it is, time it is to top tier print the bear bro we no 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 poke them but make yeah. make the propaganda good right yeah like watching fighters like there's there's video of like a plane falling from the sky and they're like the ghost of kiev and i'm like wow and then uh it was uh grums he's like on twitter He's like this. The the ghost of Kiev is like an anime protagonist. I'm like, well, now you got some good propaganda mm-hmm. yeah, right yeah. there. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. but well, like a new comic book character. But here's my question: yeah. do, do you think? And, and this is this is interesting. The hero's journey, masculinity, right? When, when you look when you look at um, when you look at social media, there are certain platforms that the better it is, the worse it does, mm. right? And there's other platforms where the the <laughs> If it's bad, it does better because it seems more authentic. People think it's actually real. People think somebody, you know. Yeah, but like when we're talking about. I'm not about, saying it ain't cringy. I guess there's, there's, just, there's, this, there's a meme on the front page of Reddit and it's Megamind. And he's got, oh, it says like the what? size of, it says like the size of the hero's balls. Yeah. And then it says ball size and it says mega. And I'm like, that's the stupidest thing. Like, what is this a cultural, cultural reference to? Like, no, come no, on, man, do better. Humor. As, as one of, as one of totally, friends. But, but, but who's making memes with Megamind? I mean, what is this? Did someone pull that's a, a meme out of the boomer, right? That's, that's a boomer. Yeah. It's a boomer trying to make a meme because <laughs> propaganda. Some like old 50 year old intelligence guy. He's probably listening to the show and he feels all bad now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like, I worked really hard. I worked on it. My grandkids <laughs> loved it. I love it. Don't worry. Mega balls will come back one day. <laughs> mega balls. You're just ahead of your time. Yeah. But, but, uh, so this is not the first time we've heard stories like hacking. There's that Chinese hacking group. Yeah. There was the Syrian electronic army. And it turns out, um, I believe it's true because we did this reporting advice that the person who was actually running the Syrian electronic army was in Moscow. Mm. So this is somebody who uh, hacked Twitter and then tweeted that Obama had been injured in some kind of attack on the White House. And the, the stock market in the U.S. dropped substantially before because like the AP got hacked and tweeted it out. And then I've, all of a sudden the market dropped substantially and then bounced back up. Mm. But it only returned like 90 percent. Hey, RT's uh, back up. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah, we we're just talking about RT. RT was down for a long time today. Wonder. And uh, I just got it in. It took a while to load up, but then I was able to load it. They finally figured out how to get. I can't. I can't load it. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I just thought you. that they've been hacked. <laughs> it's just him. Maybe I'm looking at a cached, yeah. a cached version. You might of be. The... So I like to go to um, actualidad.rt.com, which is Spanish language RT. That still works. Spanish Russian. And no, then, it, yeah, ah. and then you just uh, uh, you just translate it, it. It works in English, but I'm getting this no, ne- message that it says checking your browser while loading RT. You think that they're they're logging everyone that's going to RT now? No, I don't know. The but what I will say is. When I heard that Anonymous shut down RT and I'm like, that does sound like a lot of what Anonymous is. Mm-hmm. And I, I will also stress this point. There is no hacktivist collective called Anonymous. That's just a, it's, it's a propaganda. It's manipulation. It's always been. If you ask someone who's a hacker, what does it mean when Anonymous hacks something? They'll just look at you and be like, it literally means Anonymous. anonymous hacked it. Like, someone. Like, like someone signed it Anonymous. Yeah. Like if you wrote mm-hmm. someone a letter, I hate you, signed Anonymous. That's literally what it means. There's no secret group like conspiring to hate you. Well, that's what random the, person. That's what the secret group wants you to think. That's very. But, but they, they, they are they, they they are typically like uh, you know they take down websites. They they obfuscate. And but like you said, there's no they. It's just anyone that wants to become a hacker and say I'm anonymous can be and, anonymous. And, and you know when it first started, there was a small group who were doing it. It's like 500. And there was only a, a few of them who were prominent and actually had the skills. And then once it got popular press, all of a sudden you started getting all of these videos popping up on yeah. YouTube where it was like anonymous declares. And the, the initial like concept was if you have a thousand anonymous individuals and people propose things randomly, 
whatever is popular rises to the top. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the actions that were being taken by Anonymous was like someone said, you know, Operation this, let's do it. And people would be like, that's stupid. And then someone would be like, Operation ABC. And they'd be like, all right. And they all start doing it. And then Mm -hmm. it gains popular traction. So you still have attempts at, you know, making these videos, but for the most part, the, the movement or whatever of yeah. like this kind of meritocratic hacktivist operation just doesn't exist anymore. I'm That's pe- why I think now I think it's government actors. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause I think if you get, I mean, not to say that I, I know a lot of hackers, but the people that I do the let's say that possess a skill set, I don't know that you could get five of them to agree on anything. Probably not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the one thing I will say is that the hacker community has gone full cult. For the most part, uh, I, uh, so I used to hang out, I'd go to DEF CON, Black Hat, hang out at hacker spaces, and they were free speech, anti-establishment, anti-government. And then the last time I went to DEF CON, which is the biggest hacker convention, it's, uh, uh, for like, like civilian hacker convention, cause they have Black Hat, which is the corporate one. There was a guy, I think he was from the NSA or something, and he was giving a presentation, and he mentioned how they try and stop Russia, and everyone started clapping and cheering. And he was like, and then he stops and he goes, wow, an, an applause from DEF CON for a, for a, for a spook. I'm, I'm really surprised things are changing. Huh. And I started wow. laughing. Yeah. It was because the media had been running the narrative of, of Russia. And I mentioned, um, there was like this uh, semi open event there. And I'd mentioned that RT had offered to pay me money for some of my footage out of Sweden, which I said no to. Yeah. I said no, because I was like, why do you, uh, my footage is on YouTube for free. You can fair use it. There's <laughs> literally no reason to give me money for this. It yeah. sounds weird. Yeah. And I got people clapping for me. I was like, so when I was, I was reporting out of Sweden, I got hit up by RT. They asked, they asked if they could pay me. I said, no, they doubled the amount they'd pay me. I said, no. Then all of a sudden people I knew were like, Hey, I'm getting hit up by guys from RT. They're trying to pay you for this. And I was like, no. And people were like, Oh, so brave, so honorable. And I'm like, well, I don't, I've, it's weird. It was a weird shift that happened where like the corporate press said Putin bad and everyone just went, you got it. We're going to march yeah, in that lockstep. Was so weird. Do, do you think that was just because of Putin or do you think that had something to do with, Trump? I mean, not only that, I mean, let's face it, like Putin's not a good guy. I get that. Yeah. But the, but the attention on him, do you think that was just Putin or do you think that was a combination of Putin and Trump? Oh, yeah. it's Putin. And fear of the yeah. Cold War. There's so much residual fear of the Soviet Union to put that fear onto the Russia. It's not the same country at all. It's not it's completely different. It's not communist. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a federation of states. So it's, e- it's like an easy target, but it's so, it's like it's, it's tickling their amygdala. I brought that up before. It's like it's, it's enticing their lizard brain to be, become afraid <laughs> of, of some ancient Idea. I think ancient, ancient evil. Like, does he still have the yeah, ring or is the ring it is, destroyed? It is the the, the yeah. glacier is melting. He's yeah. going to be free. <laughs> I think it's a cult. Well, we have this story from TimCast.com. Nearly 70% of liberals say it's more important to protect Ukraine's what? border than our own. What? I don't know if it's 70%. I did we get, get a, did we get an error? I thought it was 57. <laughs> you have a link to the poll on this one because it might be a okay, thousand but I, people. I, I think that, okay, that doesn't surprise me. And, and I, and I think, um, yeah, it's and, and 57. The reason, reason doesn't surprise me is because uh, there's, there's a lot of people that I know. Again, I always make a distinction between liberal and the left, but there's a lot of people on the left that I know that in any other country in the world is better than our own. Like we, we are, we are uniquely evil in some capacity for which we must pay, you know, you know, I don't know. We just need to be sorry all the time. And yeah. so the idea that you would ask them, should we protect our border or Ukraine's? Of course it would be Ukraine's because the only way we would protect our border is if, you know, we're all a bunch of racists. This defies Jesus's logic. Did you, did take you the see plank that, out of your own eye first. Did you see that they're, they're calling on CBP to leave the southern border to go to Poland to process <laughs> Ukrainian refugees? <laughs> 
I, it's it's remarkable. I'm, I'm going to check that up as, as things that things that don't surprise me anymore. Yeah, no. <laughs> things that don't surprise me anymore. I uh, wow. So okay, back to the story for a second. You said it's fifty-seven, fifty-eight percent, fifty-seven percent of Democrats. So not the title was wrong, but we're going to copyright that. I think the title is okay. Wrong. So somewhere between fifty-seven and seventy, but you think it's a more majority. close to fifty-seven? Forty-nine percent of them. Well, I got to log into uh, to Rasmussen if you want to get the hard numbers. I the but idea I that we should send our national guard overseas to fight is in, completely insane. That's completely insane. This, that's our, the custom, national, our custom and border protection yeah, the, agents like border patrol. These are yeah, like border? our border patrol. Their job is to run the border, and they're like, eh, go to Poland. Oh yeah, go, no, go to Is it? You think it's because they fired so many people for not being vaccinated? No, that it's it actually sounds like they would allocate resources. Like we are a border patrol, and there's a border issue in Ukraine. <laughs> oh yeah, hey, that's where you should be. Hey, and and by the way, does Ukraine have a coast? Because we have a coast guard. We do. We yeah, use that. yeah. Right. Holy yeah. Crap. Yeah, they got a they got a coast in the, off the Black Sea. Like, they have a yeah, government, yeah. so they could go. use our army. Yeah. Sure could, yeah. <laughs> you know, governments need armies. They could have ours. Have ships. Wow, yeah, man. That, that's why I was saying the other day, I'm like, I'm ready to just put my feet up and crack open a coconut. No, never. Never. Never give up. Never surrender. Always chance. Always change. It's not so much give up, but kind of like just glide, you know? Oh, yeah. that's good. Like, that we're fa- we've fallen off the cliff. Just spread your wings and enjoy <laughs> I it. I do think we up. need to make uh, <laughs> entertainment for a while and, and veer away from the negativity and of war and conflict and I, I, so i don't think those two interestingly enough i don't think those two things are mutually exclusive i like it. not an either or proposition in fact i'm i'm willing to say and, and again this is not one of those this is not one of those you know george bush we just got attacked so go shopping right like i'm not saying <laughs> that um i i do i do think there's a realm that for like funny. you know sacrifice when the times call for it but like i as i look at uh, like all the things that are kind of under assault and the way things are acting there, there is a huge realm right now. One of the reasons why we are in the situation that we're on right now is because we didn't fight for the cultural space. Um, we, we, you know, we might fight for the political space. We didn't fight for the cultural space, which is why it is dominated by, by a certain perspective or viewpoint. And I, I, I tell parents this all the time when they're at, well, how are we going to fix our schools or how are we going to, like, well, if you think you're going to fix your schools with one election cycle, you're out of your mind. Yeah. Because your your child your child is now going to a school which in many cases is pushing a particular worldview or piece of you know propaganda that might not coincide with your own beliefs about your country or faith or whatever. I said then they come home and they they watch the t they watch Netflix right and chances are whatever they're watching there is going to be pushing a particular worldview. Then they turn on a song which is pushing a worldview. Then they look at the media which is pushing a worldview. And then they go to their college professor which is pushing a worldview. And then what do you get? Thirty minutes around the dinner table? Like, you think this is sufficient? And so any any sort of activity I see which is pushing into that cultural space, which is so critical, because everything political is downstream from culture, is absolutely necessary and one of the most important like fronts that we're in right now. Oh, well, yeah. there, but there's two good things to say here, some, some optimism. One is you've got the Daily Wire ramping up production of cultural uh, content. They're buying movies. Yeah. They're, they're absolutely – they absolutely see your point and they're working towards it. But then I would say that um, – when you say we haven't, you know, gotten in, gotten involved in the culture, or I forgot exactly how you said it. Well, Ian and I uh, did not come into this as conservatives. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who were working in some kind of entertainment, some kind of media or cultural space, and now find themselves in agreement on many core issues of freedom in the United States and our Constitution with conservatives. Yeah. And that's giving a big cultural boon 
Yeah. It's, it's, so, you know, we, we talked with the guy from the Daily Wire about, you know, how we can expand our cultural uh, content. We have a vlog. We do silly jokes and have fun and we do flips and into bean bags and stuff. But we're talking about, you know, things we can do. We launched a show called Tales from the Inverted World. Yeah. Which is, and we have a book uh, available at invertedworldbook.com and it's mysteries, mysteries, mm-hmm. UFOs, ghost stories, because, um, you know, we've always been involved in that. Yeah. We actually got a mix of a song that, uh, that we've been putting together. So, we, so we're putting out music. <laughs> so we're gonna, good. yeah, it's fantastic stuff. Yeah. Goosebumps. So, like, I grew up playing music. I grew up making skate videos. I grew up making, you know, uh, videos with my friends. And now, what the what the left has kind of screwed up is that they're they're constantly pushing people. They're making authoritarian demands of people to give in to their politics and their views, or else. And a lot of people are saying, or else, and they're walking away. Yeah. Yeah. So now there's an opportunity here for conservatives to get back in the game yeah. and push back on the left. And I think in the long run, the left will lose the culture. The, the I, cultural. I was uh, in Hollywood country. acting 2006, seven, eight, kind of. And I was like, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to become yeah. a famous actor and then be able to give the speech at the Oscars that changes everyone. Yeah. That was my idea. But it was so dirty, that industry. I felt so sexualized. And they were like, you're just so sexy. You're sex, sex. And I'm like, it's got to be right. out of here, man. Be tough. I felt their fingers coming at me and I just ran. <laughs> yeah. But but I bailed on culture friend, for like yeah. a decade. I started building minds, the well, social network you know that's that's why people get involved in politics is because we're not pretty enough for hollywood and we're too stupid for the private sector so (laughs) yes case in point (laughs) but it's got to be done it's It's, got to be done it's it's one of the i just didn't i didn't like that top down uh pressure in Hollywood of like the the oligarchs of Hollywood that were these like weird sexual deviants seemed like they were kind of creating the 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 feel or the energy of the system it was gross yeah beautiful city though until recently i guess because the homeless Incursion is terrifying, but beautiful um, weather. That's for sure oh, because yeah, of the yeah, valley, the mountains, yeah. and the, it's like you got snow-capped peaks to the north an hour. You got the desert to the east in an hour. You got the ocean to the west in an hour. You got the the hills just twenty minutes north of you. The beautiful valley that well, it's an incredible city. Oh yeah, they called it the city of the angels for a reason. Yeah. Actually, it's it, it says Los Angeles has a really weird long name. You ever oh, look it yeah. up? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's 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 like super up. long. It's yeah. like the river of the women who I don't know, some <laughs> yeah. some like really long. You I used find to, it. Yeah, I'm looking it up now. Yeah, well, you look at California, man, and uh, they say California is our future. That California is five years ahead of the rest of the country. I, I, no, so here's what I think. I think California is going to be a wonderful place to live in about 20 years, and then <laughs> Texas is going to be the problem. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's why people people were telling us like you should go to Austin. I was like, no way. Oh, no so way. I, I call I call it the and I, I did this once, and I think it was like I don't know, occupied Democrats or Blue Virginia or someone got like fierce like oh, I can't believe he called us locusts because it was well, it's, it's the locust theory. The locusts have no idea that they're the ones eating all the crops. They're just wondering why all the prosperity is gone. And then yeah. they go somewhere else to find more crops. I'm like, okay, so no, I'm not comparing you to people to locusts. I'm saying that it's this idea that someone will come in, see all this prosperity, you know, use it, then destroy it. And then when they move, they don't realize that, okay, you're taking the policies that created the destruction with you. Maybe don't do that this time. Yeah, what do yeah. you think? I'm, I'm not calling people locusts. I'm calling them a virus. <laughs> I'm, think, like, I'm kidding. I think this is the mindset of um, the World Economic Forum is that people are destroying with recklessly without reproducing the environment. So they were like, okay, that's a big problem that we're going to have to. Yeah, they look, they look at people like a fire. Like animals, yeah. 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 Just, just consuming carbon and expanding the growth and yeah. just burning things down. Well, Numbers, and it's, it's fascinating. They never want to take a look at the fact. I, I can't remember who it was that had the bet, but it was with that um, – oh, gosh. It was with – one of these one of these 
these guys that was predicting in the 70s that we would be engaged in a, in a series of world famines and like all of our natural resources would be up. Oh, Paul, yeah. Paul, uh, Earl Rick, Earl oh, Rick. Good guess though. Good guess though. Often wrong. If you're talking about a guy that makes crappy <laughs> predictions, Paul Krugman would have been a really, really good pick. But Paul Ehrlich had, and so this other economist came in and I think he told him, he's like, pick five natural resources and I'll bet that in 20 years they're all cheaper than they are today. Yep. Yeah. And, and Ehrlich engaged in the bet and lost. Yes. Because it's this idea that no, human beings have this amazing capacity to adapt if they're not being controlled by, oh, I don't know, an authoritarian central government that's trying to control their lives or treating them like they're a virus. Yeah. But how about we make that bet now? Do you think things will be getting cheaper? And I would, I would say it. From this point in, forward, in Singapore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think we're 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 in for a world of hurt. I, if I we, if, why if, Singapore? If we boot Russia from Swift, then everything's going to get more expensive. Well, I got a story here. So, I think yeah. that Russia is leaving Swift. I don't think that they're going to wait to get booted. I got a story from Russia yep. briefingcom yeah, Russia and China to source. develop Swift, avoiding international financial systems. What's that? Of course, of course. I just don't know about the source. No, but but, but Russia and China have been trying to get off the dollar for a long yeah, time. Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So. so they they they've. I think Putin's known. You can't imagine this guy has has risen to the level he's risen to without planning for something like this. Yeah, for I, sure. I, I, what would be interesting? We were again. I was talking with my team about this. Like, what do we think is the worst case scenario? And what we were talking was like, okay, he takes Ukraine, he uses that as kind of like a, a trial balloon, right? Takes Ukraine, doesn't really suffer any major consequences for it, and then you start to look at you know incursions into places like Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, where where we're talking about again the the Belt and Road Initiative. And now you start to see this block, this Russian Chinese block, where you have a massive amount of natural resources. You've solved some of the, the, you know, population issues that Russia is having with expansion. And then you have just these major spheres of influence. Um, and then it becomes almost kind of like a remake of the Cold War on some level. Now again, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I'm saying it, it's not science fiction to look at this and be like, okay, yeah, I can look at a map and I can look at what he's doing and I can look at where resources are at. And I can see where spheres of influence would potentially gain it, and then where where do we go from there? Um, and and to your point, back when it was the West and the Soviet Union, you had people coming off of World War II. You had generations that were familiar with sacrifice, familiar with fighting, that they had a strong sense of patriotism. They had a strong sense of moral responsibility to themselves, their family, their country, etc. And now you're talking about a world where I, I don't think anybody believes that we have that same sense as widespread throughout the population. Uh, given some of the things that we're, you know, complaining about right now and, and some of the things that people honestly believe are really key issues. Um, and so it's, it's I, weird to look at where the, where the power dynamic is going to be from a cultural standpoint at that level. I, I think moving forward, if, if we look back at home and we can see what's going on culturally, I wouldn't, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not so convinced the U.S. is going to be a major player in international conflict the same way they are, they are now, or I, I think it's obvious that that influence is waning. But let's let's bring it back home and talk about the you know wrap it back to the cultural issues. So uh, you had you know we were talking about schools and school mm-hmm. choice early on. So I really I really want to talk to you about this and get your thoughts on what's going on with with Youngkin. You're in Virginia, obviously. Yeah. Education played a huge role in in a Republican victory in Virginia. So I'm wondering if you can just you know bring us up to speed on what's been going on, sure, sure. how you got I mean, involved, and where you think where do you think people are in this, this critical think, race theory stuff? So this is what's interesting, right? So I, I think for the I mean, first time I can remember in my lifetime, Republicans won an election in what has been increasingly a blue state on the issue of education. Yes, right. Usually, what do Republicans win on? Jobs. We went on you know taxes, taxes yeah. right? We won regulations. We don't win on education, right? That's always been like a Democrat issue. They always come off as the ones that are more you know well. 
what happened was, and, and I gotta, I gotta kind of set the scene here. Democrats took control of, you know, the, the House of Delegates, the Virginia Senate, and the governor for the first time in like over 20 years in Virginia. And there was one Democrat, Delegate Lopez, who, who, uh, represents, I think it's Arlington. And he had told people at this one campaign stop, because if you give us everything, we will accomplish a lifetime's worth of work in an afternoon. And keep in mind, for 20 years, they hadn't had this sort of power. So they got to run on a lot of like aspirational things like, oh, we, we're going to equality and social justice and equity. Like, OK, what does any of that mean? But it sounds good. And we're mad at Republicans right now. So they got into power and they did it. I mean, he was not lying. They did as far and as fast as they possibly could within a two-year period of time. Then they tried banning, like they tried banning guns. Oh, oh, brother! <laughs> there, there was there was a a debate between me and uh, Delegate Mark Levine. He, the same people that said nobody wants to take your guns, all we want is common sense gun control, and then. Every like fifty-two out of fifty-four Democrats voted for a bill that would have made you a criminal for owning a fifteen-round magazine. So a low-capacity magazine, a fifteen-round magazine. Wow. Well, that's that's would horribly, have got, in fact, low every capacity. single in fact every single magazine you would have owned that would have been a class one misdemeanor with up to a year wow. in jail and twenty-five hundred dollars. Right. So it wasn't just we're going to get rid of AR-15. They wanted to retroactively make people criminals. Yes. Yes, right. That and they voted for this. This is not like oh, some crazy loon passed this and they killed it in the subcommittee. No, they voted for this. All right, so th- that's where they're at. And then you saw the same thing. They did this whole like cultural competency training, right? Because who could be against cultural competence- competency? Just like who could be against equity? Who could be against tolerance? And what this what this did is it set up this process whereby teachers in Virginia. In order to get their license or renew their license, had to go through cultural competency training. Well, when you go onto the Roadmap to Equity in Virginia Education website, that's where you found out that, oh, wow, there's Ibram X. Kendi, there's Robin D'Angelo, there's Southern Poverty Law Center, like all pushing CRT. Now, what happened was as parents were starting to see this stuff arrive in their classrooms. Their kids are coming home and they're making comments about it. At the same time, Democrats had removed like reporting requirements for principals for certain like criminal acts happening on within a school. And so you have this perfect storm, especially in Northern Virginia. Loudoun County was like the, the hotspot for this where students are coming home and talking about what's going on and, and the parents aren't liking it. And then you had a uh, certain like, you know, equity restrictions that were taking place where now certain students that would have qualified before are not making it into certain schools or certain programs. Then you have a case where now you have a, 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 I don't even know if it was a transgender female. It was, it was a biological male that was wearing a dress, right? That was not, going. Not, this person wasn't trans. Yeah. Okay. It, it was just a, it was just a guy. It, it, guy so, wearing a dress. Right? Yeah. So that was, that real quick. The news was reporting that it was a transgender yes. student. But if you actually read the details, it was just a student who wore a dress and yeah. was going in the girl's bathroom. It was a male student, not transgender. So in, in the girl's bathroom. So here's the big part that kind of blew up was you had a father that went to a school board meeting and they were mad about a lot of things. CRT was part of it. They were mad about like some of the bathroom issues and stuff like that. And the superintendent got asked, um, or the president of the school board or whatnot asked about, have there been any assaults in bathrooms? Cause some of the parents were mad about this idea of like, why is a biological male going into a bathroom? And they said, you know, no. Well, this is the part where people hate politics and this is the reason why. There was an ongoing invest, there was an ongoing investigation about that. So technically nobody had been convicted of something, right? right? But they sure as hell had had an incident. It was, it was actually, it was like forcible sodomy. And then that student 
right? That student was quietly transferred to a different school. So they did call the police. The parents were notified, but that student was transferred to a different school where that student then reoffended. Jeez. Wow. Right. And, and was actually, has now been convicted and is one of the few minors that we have in Virginia that has actually been put uh, on the, um, the registry. Uh, yeah. The sexual uh, registry, yeah. sexual, uh, offenders registry. And the judge even said after reading the psych review that it was terrifying. Wow. Right. So you again, you have this perfect storm of all this taking place. But what was incredible was the Democrats response to it. The Democrats response to it was at first was CRT is nowhere in our classroom. And then Lies. people started to see it. And it was like, well, no, it is in my class. My kid just said this. You're a racist. <laughs> right. Well, there's 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 stuff going on in my kid's school with respect to the, the, the bathroom. This is not a statement. You're a bigot. And I think what happened, and, and we're, they weren't saying this to like hardcore conservative parents, right? We've all it's heard it before. Loudoun County, this is Democrat. This is and Fairfax, right? This yeah. is you have now told you have now told an Indian immigrant family that they're racist because they're concerned about what's going on in their kid's school. And and it was this. And, and, and real quick, these 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 school boards are like white progressives telling oh, minorities yes. they're the racists. Yes. Um, or, or the sexist or the bigot or whatever it is. And I think what happened was, is that you had a lot of, you had a lot of people that they weren't engaged in politics. They, you know, they probably voted for Joe Biden because they thought, you know, they hated Trump's Twitter account. Right. But they had a real issue that they thought that they could bring up, they could bring this up to their elected representatives. And what they found out was, no, 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 the moment you ran afoul of the Democrat narrative, the progressive narrative, you're a racist. You're a bigot. You're a sexist. Not only that, the father of that, uh, of the girl who was attacked was like violently dragged out, wasn't he? Oh yeah, no, no. He was he was arrested at that school board meeting, and it was funny because that was one of the events that the department, the that the school board association, right, the National School Board Association, wrote a letter to the Department of Justice, and that's where they were trying to use counterterrorism law. Yeah. In order to crack down at these meetings and school board meetings. And it wasn't until a reporter, I think with the Daily Wire, actually bothered to go to the, the man, right? Go to the father and say, so why'd you do this? And he goes, because my daughter was raped in a Loudoun school bathroom. And they lied about it and they covered it up and they transferred the kid. Bam. Yep. Loudoun County is literally 20 seconds from here. Yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. Figuratively. It's like about minutes. one minute. Yeah. If you're going a million miles an hour, yeah, it's like <laughs> next door. It, it, it literally is. It is next door. Time yeah. and space are the same thing. It's, 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 it's like a half mile, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you drive down the road, you make uh, one left turn. Yep. Yeah. And left turn. One left turn from here and you're in uh, Loudoun County. And so uh, it's big, though. It's big, though. Yeah, so, no, it's a big county. It's the wealthiest county in America, right? But but so. you 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 go to um, what is it? What is it? Uh, is it Leesburg or what's the what's the yeah Leesburg? Leesburg. You go down there, and um, I mean, it's it's Democrat. Yeah, it is. It is D.C. suburbanite Democrat yeah. types. Yeah. I was I was surprised to hear this story because I'm like, when I'm hearing parents rising up, I'm like, these aren't Republicans, man. Mm-hmm. Is, I mean, it, there there were there were. I mean, there were Republicans sure. too, but it wasn't just. If it had been just Republicans, we wouldn't have seen the election results we did. I just mean to say that, like, the narrative of the only people who are complaining are Republicans. This yeah. is this was regular suburbanite families. Yeah, you know, of of, of of many different backgrounds. But it wasn't just Republicans complaining about something. No, the media no. was trying to claim the far right was doing it and yeah. white supremacists. And then uh, we went we went to a skate park. Uh, w- w- there's a really great skate park down there, Catoctin, and we saw uh, like a block away. 
was a bunch of parents holding up signs protesting about this. And I'm like, just regular looking people. Yeah. But you're in a blue area. Yeah. So that, that, that was what was really surprising to me about the whole, the whole fiasco. So, so what well, is so, it? So Young, Youngkin actually runs on school choice, right? He doesn't just run on the typical thing the politicians are, we're going to increase teacher pay, right? We're going to more money for education. He said, no, we're going to run on school. We're going to actually give parents more control over their child's education. And he, and he wins on it. And this is like a, and so we see a series of bills. That come through the Virginia House of Delegates, the the Republican-controlled House of Delegates. We got education savings accounts. We got uh, regional charter school bills. We've got lab school bills. We've got you know, I had a bill. I had a bill called the Safer Schools Bill, and what it did is says we have this grant for scholarship funds, which means if a company wants to donate money for scholarships for students to be able to go to school, they can do it there. They get a tax credit for it, whatever. Right? Every state has one. We got one too. I said, okay, I want to make another type of student eligible for this. And the type of student that will be eligible is a student that has been assaulted, you know, beaten up, bullied. You got to go through a process. Principals got to investigate. They got to sign off on it. But if they sign off on it, we will make funds available through this scholarship fund for the child to go to another public school, right? I mean, I had some big school choice bills. This was a really minor one. I figured let's do some good for some kids that are, are getting beat up at school or like this young girl that got raped in a bathroom, right? Let's do some stuff to help them. Democrats killed that on a straight party line vote. Wow. I can't say I'm surprised though. Oh, well, and that's, and that's what we found is that with every single substantive school choice bill that we did this year, it would pass out of the House of Delegates and then it would go and die in the Senate. Do you think that the Senate needs to be like reorganized so that every citizen gets a vote? No. How is how, that? That's just not. The I'm Senate. just so tired of putting all that power <laughs> in the hands of 400 people. Well, it's he's talking so about ridiculous. the state Senate. How many people are in the state Senate of Virginia? 40. 40 people get to decide the life or death of a, of a, of a, of a democratic bill. Well, technically no, people vote for their, yeah, vote their for their representatives. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't think the problem is the Senate. The problem is the senators, right? It's, it's well, who we have. And, and I'll just say real quick, make sure you're voting in your local elections. Yeah. Make sure you're voting in your primaries. Yeah. Those senators have a oh, we, lot we of have, power. We have nine. So it's 19 Republicans, 21 Democrats. Right. That's the, the Virginia Senate. But it doesn't matter because when you get to their subcommittees, like in, in the House of De- let me let me just explain this process real quick. I know it's kind of boring, but it's important for oh, people to know. It. Bill comes in, speaker assigns it to a committee, right? Goes to a seventy percent like fifty to seventy percent of the bills that you see die, die in a subcommittee somewhere. It's not debated on the House floor, it dies in a subcommittee. And it makes sense because there's a lot of stupid ideas and we don't all need to look at them. But anyway. So what, you get a bill from like some rant, anyone? No, uh, no, no, no. You got to be a legislator to submit a bill. We submit a bill, gets drafted, and then we look at all the bills and we say, okay, this bill's for education, education committee. And this the, sub, the for, subcommittee will be like, this one's not good enough. We're no, not. No, no, no. Subcommittee sits down. Like, so I'm a subcommittee chairman for public safety. All the gun bills come to my subcommittee. So you have a certain number of Republicans, certain amount of Democrats on the subcommittee, and we hear the bill first. And if, and if we have a majority of that subcommittee that likes the bill, it goes up to the next level, right? But in the House, we do proportional representation. So we've got 52 Republicans, 48 Democrats. So if you look at our committees, that's, that's reflected in the numbers that we have in the committees. The Senate, 19 Republicans, 21 Democrats. You'll go to a Senate committee. They'll have like, Nine Democrats and three Republicans. Yeah, the federal government's like that too. So, they so pick. there's yeah, so there's no way you can get so even though you if you make a good it's enough like argument internal gerrymandering. If you make a good enough argument, you might be able to get something out of a out of a Republican controlled House committee because we only got you know majority of two. On the Senate side, they will stack those committees and even if you could get enough votes on the floor of the Senate, 
they will make sure it goes to a committee where it will never see the light of day. Do you think that they intentionally give the, have senators pick the committees so that there isn't a democratic voice because the, the, the compounding effect of democracy that like mob rule can take over? No, it, it's, it, it's just part of this is, part of this is whoever the controlling party is in a particular legislative body, they want to be able to control the outcome for what legislation makes it to the floor and, and what gets sent over to the other body. But the thing is, is what, what we did in Virginia on the House of Delegates side, what we said is like, look, there needs to be proportional representation on these committees because it's a more accurate reflection of what the, the people actually elected. But you can manipulate that committee process pretty bad. And, and again, it's not every committee, but it, it's, it's been frustrating. I think it should be like, I talked with Thomas Massey about this. Yeah. It's, we got to do that in the federal government as well. It's ridiculous that the, the Democrats win by 51% and then they pick all the committee chairs yeah. because of that one, it doesn't, and they make sure the ones that matter the most, they have the majority on. Yeah, that's, and then they that can shuffle right. people into the, 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 you know, oh, the Republicans can have a committee we don't care about. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to change. Yeah. So well, did you guys well, change it in Virginia? We changed. So we still select. So it, the majority party gets the, the committee chairs. I mean, that just, that just happens. It doesn't, wouldn't make sense for it to not happen that way. The, the difference is, is that we don't stack our committees. Like who, we, who picks who, how they get the speaker. Most people don't understand how much power the Speaker of the House has. The Speaker of the House has an enormous amount of And the power. Speaker will say, you have to pick three Republicans and two Democrats for this. And th- so then they look and they decide. And, and, and in Virginia, yeah, we have, cool. again, because we have proportional representation, it's like, okay, you're going to have this many Republicans, this many Democrats, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Do you see people change party affiliation on paper so that they can get into a committee when they're actually still the doesn't same person? It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You got, you got to run, you got to reg- you got to run for the party's nomination, get elected that. You, you could theoretically try to switch when you're there, but that doesn't happen. Will you propose a bill to uh, pass constitutional carry in Virginia? I carried the bill this year for oh, constitutional right carry. Well, uh, and then the Democrats. <laughs> so yeah, up. we had, so we had a, we had a House version, we had a Senate version. Um, they, the senators killed the Senate version right away and so the ours didn't go forward. Uh, yeah. uh, Cause everyone said, well, we'll do that. We'll look at bills. So we, no, I carried a, I carried a lot of gun legislation. I usually do. But, um, Virginia, yeah. Virginia's not so bad. Maryland is, is, is a nightmarish. Yeah. The laws up here. But, uh, man, constitutional care would be something great because we live in the tri-state. And so I, I live in West Virginia. We work yeah. in Maryland. West Virginia is fantastic. Oh, yeah. You can, yeah. you can conceal carry. You can carry. Well, West Virginia open. just passed great school choice legislation. They've got, I mean, no, they've done a lot of good work. Some of the pushback I've heard on school choice yeah. is that if everyone has the opportunity to send their kid to whatever school they want in the surrounding area, that a lot of people will go to the good school first and all these other schools that need students for money are going to go out of business well, or, this, or get worse. This is why you should fund students and not an inst- and, and not a particular building. And 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 again, we we've gotten so used to the way education has been monopolized and run by the government that it's hard to imagine another way to do it. But but think about again, think about the way you buy anything else. Right? You you don't have a government store you go to in order to buy something, right? Like oh, yeah, let's, this, let's hear that story about the grocery store. So the, grocery so store the way story. the way I've described this before is we all agree education is important. We also agree Eating is important. So let's imagine that the government at some point said, you know what? Eating is so important that here's how we're going to do this. We're going to set up thousands of government grocery stores all over the country. And then you're going to be assigned a government grocery store based off of your address. Now, when you show up to the government grocery store, you're not going to actually shop for your groceries. Your groceries will be decided for you based off of a government board and the caloric intake or the nutritional necessities of your particular family. Now, if you don't like something in the grocery bag, not a big deal. All you have to do is show up to a bunch of board meetings or go and lobby your state <laughs> legislature in order to get you know a different product into your grocery bag or 
out of your grocery bag. Um, oh, by the way, none of the employees working at this government grocery store will be rewarded based off of creativity, ingenuity, or work ethic. They will only be rewarded based off of seniority. Does anybody think that is a grocery store you would want? Like, would you want that to be your grocery store option? No. Uh, negative. No. I haven't had a single person, surprisingly enough, I have not had a single person yet go, oh my gosh, that sounds like but, a great idea. But I, I think, Utopia. I, don't know about, I don't know about Ian, but I'm in favor of school choice. Well, I'm interested in learning more about it. But, but here's the, here's the point. I go back and I say, okay, but what I just described is exactly what we did with public education. You are assigned a government school based off of your address. When you show up to the government school, you don't have any say over the curriculum, over the class, or very, very limited say over what you can do. If you have a problem with what's being taught or with what's not being taught, great. Try to reelect your school board or maybe go to the state legislature and try to get something changed there. And by the way, none of your teachers are rewarded based off of how good a job they do. They're just rewarded off of seniority. Not to mention the fact. Now, again, everyone can then see in that example that, okay, maybe there is a better way to run education. How would that look? And the thing I say was, okay, well, are, are you happy with the grocery store options you have? Yeah. Are you happy with the options that you have to buy a smartphone? Are you happy with the options you have to go and do other educational opportunities? You know, yeah. Okay. Well, then maybe that's because when you as the customer of the product or service have the power the rest of the world is trying to get you to be their customer. Yeah. Okay. The government doesn't have that incentive. I don't need you to be my customer. The, I don't need you to like what I'm doing. Would the schools be able to be like, hey, if you come to our school, it'll be easier to graduate? Or will well, there be some sort of government well, but, oversight? But here's, here's the thing. Is that what a parent wants for their kid? I don't know. I don't know what they want. I don't even know if they... They want education, I think, primarily. They want them to understand how to learn. They They want them to understand how to learn. And then really what they want is they want them to be able to learn the basic... You know, social and economic skills they're going to need you to be an, uh, an independent adult, right? And that's your, that's your oversight mechanism. It's not to say you can't have some, you know, government restrictions or guardrails. You can, but the oversight restriction is no, I as a customer want the best for my child. And now I have the ability to go find what that looks like. That's on the, that's on the demand side. On the supply side, now all of a sudden you have this huge world where Schooling is no longer based off of a government building you go to. Yeah, Khan Academy. Yeah. Jordan Peterson. If you could yes. divvy up your $18,000 a year stipend amongst the great creators and educators of our time that are on the internet. Yes. That'd be so great. Did you get to meet Matt Walsh when he came down? I did not. That was great. He, he rented an apartment. So because they tried. Yeah, basement. Yeah. 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 A basement. They tried stopping. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know the people he rented from. But yeah. <laughs> so Matt Walsh was going to speak. They're like, Oh, we got to be a resident. So he's like, All right. So he rented it. <laughs> he rented a basement, I guess. That was great. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right. Let's go to super chats. If you haven't already, smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, share the show with your friends. If you really want to help out, become a member at timcast.com. Sign up. Get access to our exclusive members only segments and your membership will also keep our journalists funded. We'll now go to your super chats. So get your super chats, super chats in. We'll read what you guys have to sh- have to say. Oh, here's an interesting name. Trinidad Shop at a Pressure huh. says, Nick Freitas, big fan of yours from Culpeper, Virginia. Glad to see my rep on one of my favorite shows. Woo-hoo. Thank you very much. Right, absolutely. And thanks for saying we're a favorite show. I appreciate yeah. it. All right. Joseph La Liberté says, Nick has two great speeches, one about a green beret and the other about gun control. This dude is awesome. I love this guy. He's my hero. Wow. 
Nice. Remember, you, I appreciate you, it. you know Ben Stewart? I, you you have a great audience. I know, I right? <laughs> I, one day I want to get you and Ben Stewart next to each other and break the internet because I think you guys look so similar. Do, yeah. <laughs> that, that will break the internet. <laughs> that will break the internet. Yeah. I, I, get, I get told I look like the guy off of uh, Outer Banks that's always trying to steal the gold from the kid. I don't know. Oh. Stealing the gold. Yeah. The bros Durham says, hey, Nick, why don't you come down to Hampton Roads and rep for us? I, so don't get me wrong. Hampton Roads, wonderful place. Love I briefly it, lived but, there. But I, I do, I do enjoy the Piedmont of Virginia. But, uh, you've got some good people down there in the Hampton Roads area. Am I got AC Cardoza and, uh. I, I, I hung out down there for a few months. Tim Anderson. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Hampton Roads, man. Go hang out in Norfolk a little bit. Virginia's a big place. Yeah, it is. Very big. Let's grab some super chats. David Sanchez says, fifth time trying to super chat. Well, I got you now, buddy. In the future, if Biden does nothing substantial to protect what does that say? To to protect the world? What, I don't know. You think there is anything the next Cong- uh, congressional election, Congress election, can force him to address or aid Taiwan? Um, I don't know. I think there's like a, a typo in, you know, you, you tried five times, but there's like a weird typo. I can't read what it yeah, means. Yeah, that is strange. Is there anything the next Congress ele- congressional election can force him to address? Hmm. I don't know if so much it's about the congressional election. I think it's public pressure. And if they see the polls, clearly the CDC is now announcing, oh, we're going to pull back on the masks and everything. Yeah, because they know they're, 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 they're spiraling. Oh, yeah. I, th- I thought it was funny that it wasn't the, it wasn't the medical science that changed on Max. It was the political science with respect to the polling that, that caused them to finally wake up to the fact that maybe this is not a good idea. Hey, we're going to lose an election, huh? Yeah. All right. Gun Griffin says, for Nick, in Vietnam, we weren't prepared for insurgency warfare with General Westmoreland attempting a conventional war. After 60 years of regular warfare, are we prepared to return to conventional? That's a great, that is a great question because he's absolutely right. Um, we, for the last 20 years, we, we built a military around the idea of counterinsurgency and, and, you know, initially a little bit was, was UW, but mainly it was counterinsurgency. Now it's getting back into the realm of actually trying to fight a large conventional conflict. And we can see the potential for something like that happening with Russia. I think we can recognize the potential for something like that happening with China as well. So I, I will say that I, I know it was a concern that was being addressed, but I mean, let's, let's face it. The United States military has a track record for fighting the strategy of the previous war. And so there's always going to be a learning curve that takes place when you have an, an officer corps or an NCO corps that has grown up in kind of one style of fighting and then you move into a different style. There, there's, it, it can be difficult. The one thing I will say is that, while the United States military has not always been the best at, at, um, predicting the next sort of tactics that will be necessary for the, for the next conflict, it does have a track record of adapting usually very quickly in order to, to overcome. So here's a good one from Vash. He says, you and others keep saying Trump would have been better. I need to remind you, Hong Kong fell to China under him, so I'm not so sure. Yes, that is a good point, but I would add that was the UK and China having was it negotiation in the nineties, I think yeah. it was. And yeah. so this was a long setup chain of like timeline that we knew was gonna happen, and it was all done through a legal process with the UK and China. And there were protests, but it was, it's not the same as, you know, Russia invading a sovereign nation. Yeah, I mean I, I think it's important to understand at that point Hong Kong was part of China's jurisdiction. There were certain right. there were certain agreements with respect to how their government would be run for like another fifty years. That that's a little bit differently than a the you know, full on invasion of a sovereign country. I mean but I again it still was horrible. Random username says when Trump says he will bomb the golden turrets, he's talking about bombing churches. Yes. 
I don't, I, uh, I should have clarified that. Maybe I assumed people understood. He's talking about the, you know, the, the steeples the or whatever. Spires and the yeah, spires yeah, and yeah. stuff. He was talking yeah. about blowing up churches in a civilian city. And maybe Vladimir Putin was like, this guy's nuts. This guy's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a little nuts. Yep. Yeah. Man. Brooke Harrington says, I have a coworker with family in Russia. I'm told they were bombed by Ukraine first two days ago. Any validity to this? What? I, t- I don't know if that's true. Um, I can tell you this. With RT going down, you better believe in the West they're going to try and restrict information coming out of Russia. Yeah. And you better believe Russia is going to try and manipulate you into believing they're you know, being victimized. I think, yeah, I, I, both of those statements are absolutely true. The one, th- the one thing I would question is I don't know what it gets Ukraine to be the initial aggressor with Russia. Oh, for that. sure. Yeah, that's insane. I, I do not know what would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Marco says, I am from Norway. Russia has always done military practice outside Nordic Sea for like 20 years. Never been problematic. Even Russia helped Norway under World War II on the Nordic side of Norway. Interesting. I love the history of Russia and the United States. is great because it was like we were enemies, but we worked together to defeat a common enemy. And that's what we should be doing today. Gosh, what the heck? Yeah, well, the story of uh, East and West Germany is, oof. Yeah, I mean, brutal. the story of the Soviet Union, brutal. Yeah. You, ever, you ever hear the story of Tetris, the video game? Oh, my no. gosh. So that long. uh it, it, there's there's an urban legend with the guy <laughs> we've all dated ourselves good <laughs> basically there was a um there was a game in russia they were playing where you would take the tetris shapes but just place them and then some dude made the block falling version yeah and it's like how do you in russia make a product that can be commercialized internationally how does it even work yeah and so i guess like russia it was communist and they were like it's communist so we get you know mm-hmm. but apparently everyone in the west just ripped them off anyway and they're like lawsuits <laughs> crazy story wow mm-hmm. There's yeah. a two-player Tetris on the NES that got that got sued into oblivion. It was made by some other company. That was always yeah. crazy to me. Like, why would anyone respect an international lawsuit during a Cold War? <laughs> yeah. You know, some guy's like, the I Russian made a video game. game. It's like, well, he Who won the cares? lawsuit. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. like the bureaucrats are still trying to make money off of it. Yeah. yeah. That's what war is for those guys. Let's grab some more Super Chats. Oh, people are saying my camera's blue. Yeah, I don't know why that it happens sometimes. Yeah, I'm well, aware. I am blue. Dabba dee, dabba die, says Josh. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. <laughs> Eiffel, 70, Eiffel 77, I think. Yeah. Is that what it was? That song? That, yeah, they wrote that. They brought it back for one of the Iron Mans, right? I love that song. Yeah. CJ says, when Trump took office, ISIS was the top foreign policy issue. He set aside our differences with Russia to solve that problem, and the deep state hated it. Meanwhile, the Minsk agreement stewed. Yeah, um, because I think... I think the U.S. was hoping that ISIS would destabilize Syria so that we could get a more favorable regime in and then we could build our pipeline through Syria. Mm-hmm. But uh, Trump getting rid of ISIS, while the right thing, well, yeah, I think the, the, the bureaucrats, the military industrial complex were, were upset. Weird stuff went, have, went down with ISIS and the Syrian rebels. I got to tell you that. Yeah. Uh, clarify, too. It was Eiffel 65. Oh, that song blew. Some number. Great song. <laughs> C. Griff says it's time for the U.S. to leave the U.N. It's nothing but global bureaucracy and sanctions, which never really do anything to determine uh, uh, to uh, determine countries like Russia and China. So here's where I disagree. The U.N. does a lot. Like, for instance, they will write strong notes of protest. They do. Yes. um, To Israel. 
And may I just add, before we continue... I've heard they've wagged their finger. About the the UN. Relentlessly. And shaken their fist quite fiercely. Mm -hmm. Stomped their foot, perhaps. (laughs) Guys, guys, the UN Security Council revolution uh, resolution concerning condemning... Sorry, I can't read. Russia for the invasion of Ukraine has failed due to the Russian vote and China has abstained. So the UN is doing great stuff over there. Oh, no, no. You think we should get out of the UN? Well, not only only have they done great work there, but um, (laughs) they have done great work for the, the park situation in new york city as well. yeah oh yeah, the, yeah. Uh, no like i, I honestly and, and again this is someone that i i'm all for foreign engagement i'm all for i think it should be primarily economic and cultural you know as little as possible um but i, I look at the united nations and, and what is it doing at this point other than giving an air of legitimacy to brutal dictatorships that don't have genuine democracies are, are regularly trampling on people's civil liberties and like the the number one thing the UN does is pass resolutions condemning Israel. Like I, I don't, I'm sorry, I, I don't see. I have a hard time seeing the point. Are you familiar with the non-aligned movement? No. Isn't this amazing? It's the it's the other UN. It's global. It's 120 countries are in this non-aligned oh. movement. It's the countries that aren't in the UN, basically all of Africa, South <laughs> America. I think Mexico's in it. Uh, Iran well, all, was headquartered in Iran. They're all in the UN. Yeah. Yeah. Mexico. Oh, no, they're, uh, they're not blue. You check them out. This is really the non-aligned movement and you can get a map of it. Uh, Interesting. There's light blue and dark blue. Uh, so Mexico's light blue. Well, I got to read this is, this is very, very good super chat here. Turk say no to war. Longwell says, dude, Biden hitting a speed bag was a total 100. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Critical great. success. Yeah. Good stuff. Biden hit a speed Oh yeah, for sure. Thanks, Turk. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, B. <laughs> all right. Thrawn says, can't show you Joe Biden hitting a speed bag, but I've seen a few pics of Hunter hitting a speed ball. Oh, that's right. Oh, that <laughs> makes sense. I'd be yes. fine with a deep fake of, of Biden hitting sense. a speed bag That'd at this fun, point. Yeah. I just want to <laughs> see it happen. A video. Really <laughs> fast, you know, like you see his muscles twitching Good in his propaganda. arms. Something yeah. from Rocky Three, but yes. with like yeah. going up steps. On it. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, uh, Kevin D. Sturmtruppen Gun says, the Vietnam story you are referring to is Operation Wandering Soul. There's plenty of mm-hmm. uploads of the actual declassified tapes the CIA made to blast on speakers. Wow. Supposedly gave U.S. servicemen a bit of a fright, too. Oh, that wow. would be so creepy cool. as heck. Wow. I, I think we should just do that in our woods right yeah. outside. Yeah. yeah. That's a good idea. We've got big idea. speakers and yeah. just play like wailing And then just sounds. act like you don't know I what your neighbors are you too. Yeah. Like, did you hear that thing? I'm like, sorry. I, have I shouldn't no have done it. Yeah. People like, like apologizing to you for what they did and stuff. Yeah. would be hilarious. I shouldn't have broken into Tim's house. I'm sorry for betraying him. Don't, do? don't drink the water. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dragon Lady says, evening, y'all. No cast castle today? That makes me sad. Need my bucko fix. Oh, Here, gosh, me kitty. too. Yeah. Nick yeah. was sick. I just hugged him yep. earlier. Yeah. Yep. Oh, oh, Nick wasn't feeling well today? Yeah. No, okay. he had. Uh, he was sick the other day. So, cool. yeah, go to YouTube.com slash cast castle if you want to see what it's like inside the, the cast castle operation, how we make all of the... How you, what is it? How you make how the, the sausage, sausage, sausage made? Yeah. 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 Oh, the sausage. It, would, it will shock and devastate you. <laughs> it's horrible. Yes. And um, that's why I showed up today. I was told there would be sausage. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's true. <laughs> you were right. He was. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's <laughs> leftover pizza from Papa oh, yeah. John's. Close oh, there you go. That's good. And a lot of chicken nuggets or whatever. True. Chicken wads. <laughs> chicken wads. Yeah, wads of chicken. We buy their just wads of chicken. <laughs> All right, let's grab some more. Let's grab some more super chat. Uh oh, people are mad at Ian. Mitch Marco says, I don't know what's more annoying, Ian claiming to love the art of movies despite not seeing a movie made in the last 20 years or getting caught up on words that have nothing to do with the route word. The, the, the root, root word? word? The root word. Root word. That, the second Still one's more Ian, annoying. Though. The <laughs> one where I get caught up in words is more annoying. <laughs> it's more annoying. Okay. <laughs> All right, now here's a good one. 
Jay Schartzer says, Tim, bring Lex Friedman on when he's back. He went to Russia to talk sense to Putin. Oh, good. Oh, Don't good know if him. that will work out, but he's a smart guy. So who knows? Love Lex. I mean, yeah, I'd love to, but Lex is a super busy guy. Yeah. You know, people who already have shows, you know, you got to work around their schedule, and especially someone like Lex, he's got a big show. But I will say sometimes it's more important. I think he would come on and report the conversation and talk about it. That's oh, now's he, the time. Lex is always invited. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, he hit me up once about, you know, doing something with his show and then never happened. He's too busy. Love him. Yeah. Well, no, I was. Oh, I yeah, because he, he hit me up, and I was like, bro, I, I don't know if I can do it. But um, Not even, it, Tim went with the power play there. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm busy. <laughs> I can't I can't go on I'm your show. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, hey, Alex is fantastic. I'd, I'd love yeah. to. But uh, I was busy, and then I got back to him, and I was like, you know what? I think I can do it. And he's like, ah, now I can't. And I'm now like, eh, you know, like, hit me up anytime, <laughs> man. It'll, it'll be a great conversation. But uh, I, I'd love to have him. That'd be fantastic. All right. Adrian says... Do you know anything about the Ukrainian U.S. biolabs that Russia hit? Love mm. the show. Keep up the good work. Oh. I don't think they did. There was a meme showing a map saying, like, here's where all the biolabs are, and here's where Russia attacked, but they didn't line up. We talked about this yeah. last night. Yeah, the after yeah, show. It, it, they didn't line up. Uh, I'm no fan of Snopes, but Snopes pointed that out, too. Like, the maps <laughs> yeah. aren't the same. Like, yeah. the attacks aren't in the same That's places. That's Ukraine, Pennsylvania. It's a different Yeah, it's a little different. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so John Boy says Lex Friedman announced today he's he's heading to Ukraine to speak w- uh, to friends and then to Russia to speak to Putin. Mm. Don't think it's possible, but if he does, it's crazy. Your thoughts? I think it's a bad idea. For for Lex, I'd say it's a bad idea. Oh, I don't think so. He's been planning it for a while with Putin. They've been at least he talked about it a couple weeks ago. So, well so before all this, actually stuff. with Vladimir Putin. Yeah, that's that's good. Then that's absolutely fantastic. That's crazy. Idea. Absolutely. That's I'm crazy. I'm thinking about him going into Ukraine because I wouldn't. Uh, you, you, you gotta, you gotta have a certain understanding of urban conflict. I mean, you know, what are your thoughts on war? Would you recommend, I don't, I don't know Lex's background, but <laughs> would I, think, I recommend urban out of all the conflicts? Would you recommend? <laughs> no, no, I mean, like, <laughs> would you, uh, Lex Friedman's background, I don't think is in, is in conflict. I don't know if he has that experience. Like, I personally wouldn't recommend somebody to go into a conflict if they don't have any experience. No, I, I, it's generally a bad idea, especially something like this where it, it it's very fast moving. You're going to have a lot of, you, again, as the Russian lines move forward and you have like pockets of troops that are, are in urban areas as they hand out like, you know, weapons to their civilian population to be able to fight back, you're going to have a lot of people running around in plain clothes and whatnot just yep. because it's the nature of warfare. So if you're running around in plain clothes, sorry, dude, like I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, right. Maybe you want to be wearing a T-shirt and shorts yeah, or just like a Speedo and nothing else because <laughs> mm-hmm. no, they're not going to if, if they see a guy who looks like a weirdo. You know, okay, so in that area of the world, running around in a speedo, nothing I'm else not, in the winter, it's pretty normal. I'm yeah, sure. I'm guessing yeah. that's not well, here, here, here's I'm, I'm <laughs> nice, obviously nice, kidding. Nice but try, yeah. speedo. The guy. issue is, if you're a regular person in plain clothes wearing a jacket, they're gonna kill you. You need like a Hawaiian because shirt. you could be somebody who's armed. You could be part of the conflict, right. and they don't know, and and no one's no one wants to take the chance. Mm. If they don't know you, and you're not from their neighborhood, oh, yeah. don't expect to get like well, don't, and, don't and expect to be able to walk. You can't speak the language either. I mean, that's a huge. I was I was in Maidan during the uh, the protests the start in twenty four uh, in twenty thirteen and in twenty fourteen and they and I eventually got to the point where they built these massive barricades mm-hmm. around uh, you know Independent Square or whatever they call it and um, I was walking around with my British uh, producers from Vice we walked out when we came to walk back in we got surrounded by like fifteen Ukrainian guys who were yelling at us in Ukrainian yeah and the only thing I do is say like American. Speak English. Yeah. Sorry. And then someone came in and started speaking Ukrainian and, and backed him off. 
And they were like American journalists. And they, they were like, please, please, please come in, come in. Yeah. But the guy's with me. I'm like, they're British. They're not American. <laughs> they but, can but stay. It was cool. And they actually, we actually got to talk to a former Soviet general. That was mm-hmm. super cool. But uh, when you go into an area, you don't speak the language and they're all yelling at you. Let me tell you, man, I was in uh, um, Turkey and we went to this neighborhood. They call it like the last anarchist neighborhood of, uh, of Istanbul. We tried there, – there was a, there was a, a street where the anarchists were throwing Molotovs at cops and the cops were, you know, holding the line and firing less lethals. So we went around and went uh, on a side street to try and go in. And we've got – it's me and a guy with a camera and another producer when all of a sudden a whole bunch of Turkish dudes run up to us holding Molotovs, screaming at us in Turkish. And one guy holds a Molotov cocktail right up to the side of my face. And my response – Put my hands up. I said nothing. And I just nodded. And I slowly turned and started to walk away. The guys I were with were like kind of more excited. Yeah. And I was just like, let, let me, I was like, as we walked, I was like, guys, guys, don't try and speak English in an excited way to somebody who doesn't speak English or is not speaking English to you. Because the only thing they hear is you going back at them and they might think you're aggressive. So just, yeah. you know, put your hands up, nod, and then just walk in the direction they point. Yeah. I would just say, man, uh, Vice sent me on some, uh, Vice had sent me out a couple times into conflict with producers who had no conflict experience. Oh boy. <laughs> I just want to say it is, it is, Exciting. Um, maybe the most stressful thing I've ever experienced is knowing that I'm responsible for the life of someone. Yeah. Because. That doesn't know what they're doing. And that's putting me in danger. Yeah. Man. But I, but Vice has also, you know, to, 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 to their credit, sent me out with people way more experienced than I have. And one of my, one of the most heartwarming moments was when I was in Ferguson and the first gunshots went out and I'm already on the ground and I look to my right, my producer's already on the ground as well. Yeah. And this is a guy who, who had, who had been trained in firearms, who had, you know, been to war because Vice has some good people. They really do. And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> I looked to my left and there was a guy from ABC News standing up looking around and he goes, those fireworks? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, man. I felt bad you, for the guy. You ain't going to make it. <laughs> but you know what I say to them? Do you see anyone holding fireworks? Yeah. I would no. fireworks. Do you see anyone holding guns? Celebrating. Yeah. Make an assumption. <laughs> yeah. Man. That's what we call deductive reasoning. Yes, indeed. It's crazy, though. Like, I've been on the ground with people where the gunshots ring out, and they stand there like it's just fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> where well, do you it, think you, you are? Know, you, know what's, you know what's kind of an aside of that? It's because a lot of people, again, one of the benefits of especially growing up in the United States is most people, not everyone, most people have grown up in an environment where they really haven't had to experience any sort of conflict or deprivation. Or gunfire. And so it's this idea of like, well, that can't be that. Like, no, no, it it actually can be. That's the craziest thing, too. As much as America is this gun country, people, urban liberals have not heard a gun go off. Mm -hmm. They've heard movies where it's like, bang, bang. Or silenced. And then you hear a 22 and you know, somebody who's never heard a gun would be like, is that a firecracker going off? Yeah. And it's like, no, that will kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I, who was it who said you can conquer a nation? Was it Bannon? You can conquer a nation with a thousand 22, you know, rifle, like Ruger 1022s. Interesting. Was it Bannon? Maybe it wasn't. We were talking to someone who's like, a thousand Ruger 1022s can take over a small country. I'm like, eh, it's, it's a weapon. Yeah. All right. Let's grab some more super chats. V. Rise says the ghost of Kiev has been proven to be fake, yet many left leftist communities online acknowledge and blatantly say they don't care that it's fake. They are still going to believe it. Thoughts? I have not seen any evidence saying it's fake. 
I'm not saying I've seen any evidence to say it's real, <laughs> to be completely honest. They're like, this is the ghost of Kiev. And I'm like, that's just a picture of a fighter jet. It's one picture. Yeah. Like, how is it evidence of any of this being true? Yeah. So just Sounds like manipulation. Propaganda. As far as I can tell, it's not been proven or disproven to me. Seeing about like, um, uh, what's his name from uh, World War II, the British guy. I don't know why it's, I'm blanking on that. <laughs> yeah, that does not narrow it the, down. The I'm British Prime Minister. Helpful. Winston Churchill. Yeah, Churchill was, yeah. was oh, like, it was all about morale, uh, more like mentality, he, propaganda, and keeping people sane, like giving yeah. them, giving them motivation. He would, he, like, he had no idea if they were going to win or lose, but he would tell them they were going to win. Yeah, yeah. And every here's, night. Here's a good one from Damian Simmons. In Revelations, the dragon gives power to the beast. The tail of the dragon will rain down on three-fourths of the world. Could China be the dragon and the beast be Russia? Maybe. Interesting. The dragon is humble. I'll tell you that. I don't know. What do they call China, Russia? The dragon bear? Yeah. Dragon the bear. dragon bear. That's what we call The bear. Brick Muppet says at least one letter of mark was issued in the Civil War. They are now banned by international treaty, Paris Declaration. U.S. never signed that treaty. Mm. Okay. Hmm. I was thinking of this earlier. If the hackers are the realize, modern day. I didn't realize the Civil War, but that, that, that's a good... Uh, yeah, I thought it was Madison was the last one. If, right, if the sense. hackers are the modern day pirates being uh, hired with letters of mark, then what about the people that are controlling the algorithms at the top of the companies that are being paid to change the algorithms? Are they also pirates? Are they being hired? Like CCP is controlling TikTok. And in China, from this is what I've learned in the last week or so, the algorithm is showing like science, technology. It's, and, just, it's just media. They're, they're showing media to the people. No, 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 no. The, the analogy here is just that's the media. In the United States, the media was completely on board with the war effort, and the government would go to them and be like, don't report these things. And they'd be like, you got to cheat. So should we consider yeah. them pirates, like for hire? No. If they're no. being doing what they're told? Pirates, I mean, no. We were talking about aggressive action toward, like, an, I mean, there's, there's a long time relationship between governments and media where they'll essentially say, you know, restrict certain information or they'll classify it a certain way so they can't report it, or they'll just voluntarily self censor. But this, uh, letters are marked. That's more, it's like, I'm going to take this hacker and I want this organization tracked. And the way you're going to do it is, and, and again, it's the, I want you to hack all their bank accounts. And if you hack their bank accounts, you can keep some or, or yeah. whatever. Or not even that. Be like, here are the targets we want hit and yeah. we won't come after you for hitting them. Yeah. What about like, we want you to show this algorithm here and this algorithm here. But you're, you're talking about massive corporations that work with government. Yeah. That's not the same thing. Yeah. So uh, think of a mark as almost like a bounty. Yes. That's a good yeah. way to say it. Yeah. Okay. So if the U.S. government has a bunch of corporations that produce weapons for it, that's just the, the, the Pro- crown's bowyer or whatever. Probably the most famous like privateer in history, Sir Francis Drake. Yeah. I, I'm concerned that a corporation won't become uh, – uh, go after one of the bounties. I wonder if that will start happening, that governments will pay corporations to take mark. They, they don't, they don't need to. You have yeah. like, you have a group of three dudes hanging out in an apartment in Moscow and the government is just like, oh, won't someone rid me of this priest? Wink, wink. And they go, you got it, boss. Yeah. And then they do it. And then Russia says, oh, those pesky hackers. Why would they do this? Yeah. Can't get mad at us. We'll arrest them if we find out who did it. Yeah. And then they don't. Of course who, they won't. Who done it? Yep. They want to be able to disavow and say we had nothing That's to right. do with it. You can't. Don't Plausible look at us. deniability. Well, and there's overt and covert letters of mark. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah you, you, can, you can be overt about it. Like, yep. I put a bounty, which is like yeah. what was that military company and that we had hired hired guns in the Middle East for a Blackwater? long time? Yeah, Blackwater. Blackwater. Changed, they changed yeah. the name. At well, some that, point. that that wasn't even a letter of remark. Now you're just being now you're just hiring a company to provide a certain degree of certain set of services that they're permitted to do, and, and most of it was like security services for like bases or dignitaries or things like that. So like that would be more mercenary, just mercenary work. Well, it, it, 
it, it's it's interesting because mercenary has like an actual definition and then it also has kind of like a colloquial understanding yeah. or, or like a popular understanding of it. Um, so there, there was like a lot of what we think of when we think of mercenaries is like literally like, like the Swiss guards or something like that where you have you have an element of soldiers or troops that will essentially fight for the highest bidder or whatnot. Um, then you have people that are paid to provide, you know, military services, but it's, it's not as if they're just going to the higher bid. It's not like you just go to whoever, it's not like one day we're working for the U S government and the next day, uh, the cartels, who knows? Right. Um, so I think there's some distinction between the two, if that makes sense. All right. Chris Skanapieko says, supposedly the former Ukraine president, Petro Poroshenko confirmed the ghost of Kiev is real, but he has a pretty good reason to push the lie. If it is a lie. Propaganda. Even, what's the story of the ghost of Kiev? Uh, uh, it's an ace fighter pilot. Took out six Russian uh, fighter jets in dogfights over Kiev. The videos show there's there's dogfights happening over Kiev. Yeah. And um, I've just not seen any evidence that this is a single pilot who took out six uh, uh, fighter jets. But a uh, cool story. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, but it's th- a little bit like I have confirmed the story that I am awesome. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. 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 <laughs> it's like the Red Baron. But he actually had like locked down 100 kills or something they, in World they War need I these stories yeah but yeah. you know what you know what um it just goes to show uh that the hero's journey the story of strength and masculinity resonates with people yeah they're they're making modern day heroes i'm all for it man i mean the ghost of kiev is a cool story if this is someone defending their home it's not an invasion it's defensive yeah. and and it's it's the underdog fighting back and taking out the uh, aggressive force I'm like, it's a cool story. Yeah. And if at, at the end of the day, it's going to inspire some kids to be better people, to defend their families, their friends, their homes. I dig it. You know what I don't like about aggression and defense is that you can have a country that is meddling other places with like technology and not sending a troop. And then you're basically the aggressor at that point, even though you haven't moved a troop. And so if you get attacked, you can't claim that you're the, def- you're defending yourself. If you were out there screwing with people and now they're re- retaliating. I don't think Ukraine was invading Russia. I don't know. Like I, well, the U.S. has been meddling, and, and I think it's like a proxy. Yeah, but look, as much as land. I think Joe Biden's crooked with you know the deals he's worked and the illegal quid pro quo mm-hmm. and all that stuff, trying to buy favors and influence with cash, Vladimir Putin had every opportunity to do the exact same. He could have gone to uh, to uh, the president of Ukraine, to, to, I think it was, to Por- was it Poroshenko? He could have gone to any one of these people and said, the U.S. has offered you a billion dollars in loans. I'll give you a billion dollars in loans as well. The problem was, my understanding... You know, having been on the ground in Ukraine and talked to some of the people, and I still am regular in communi- regular communication with a friend of mine who's there, is that they don't like Russia. Mm-hmm. They, they, the Holodomor. These people are like the Soviet Union staged a genocide, and it was, it was primarily Russia staging a genocide over the Ukrainian people. It's Stalin. You're, it's exactly, you're not, you're, it's going to be hard pressed to get popular support across the board. And so what was happening was the U.S. was playing their influence games. Russia was playing their influence games. But a lot of people in the country were still like, we'd rather be in the EU. Not to mention, for a lot of people in Ukraine, they were hoping that getting into the EU meant they could migrate out of the country and go get jobs in higher paying countries. Mm-hmm. So when you look at what happened with the EU, people from Poland, where the GDP was lower, moved to the U.K., where the GDP was higher, and we're making more money now. People in Ukraine were hoping for the same thing, that getting in the EU would raise raise up, you know, all of their wages and bring in more money. And Russia wanted them to join the Trade Federation. He didn't have the influence. So what does he do? Like a whiny baby, he invades. Is he like going to be out of office soon? What happened? Because he was prime <laughs> minister. What was his? You know what is? I don't know about yeah. that. Something, something tells me they're they're uh, 
government structure doesn't work quite the same as ours. Yeah, he just keeps bouncing back and forth. <laughs> yeah, because I've, I've been kind of defending, like, hey, Russia's a federation of states, but, like, dude, if the dude seized control of the government, it's a dictatorship now. He's supposedly the richest guy on the planet. Yeah. yeah. Well, my friends, if you haven't already, smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, and go to TimCast.com and become a member to help support our work. Your membership keeps the show sustained, keeps all of our journalists employed, and you'll get access to our exclusive members-only segments from this show. You can follow us at Timcast IRL, basically everywhere. You can follow me at Timcast. Nick, you want to shout anything out? No. Well, again, lovely meeting all of you, and thank you very much for having me oh, on. No, thank, we, yeah, thanks for coming. We've, we've got a, we've got a couple of programs that we've been working on. One is uh, making the argument with Nick Freitas. It's actually our one of the things that we do on there is we we actually try to you know equip people to be able to make better arguments for free markets for individual liberty. And one of the things that we do is kind of unique on that. We actually highlight bad conservative arguments. Mm. Um, because that's one thing that drives me nuts is watching my own side make really bad arguments. Yes. And then we've got another program we do called the Why Minutes where we take, you know, actually one of the issues that we were talking about recently on there is, you know, we talk about the environmental policy and stuff like that. And, and it's always this idea that if only the government intervened more, we'd have better environmental policy. So we like to talk about things like the Errol Sea and how, wow, centralized government power was actually not better for the environment along with all the other things it's not good for. But if you're interested in individual liberty, free markets, all that good stuff, making the argument with Nick Freitas, the Y Minutes. Also, you are Nick for VA on Twitter. On Twitter, yeah, yeah, we have fun on on Twitter and and the TikTok too. That's, oh, wow. we got TikTok. banned from TikTok. Oh, so I'm I've <laughs> I've been. We went from like all of my. I went from seven thousand followers to two hundred thousand followers in six months. Whoa! And then all of a sudden, bam! Nothing goes to the for you page anymore. But it is still kind of funny because I like to be able to tell my teenage daughters, "Hey, how do you feel about the fact that you know, you're." <laughs> Your 42-year-old father has a bigger TikTok. <laughs> lit. They banned us. I think it was because of Alex Jones. It was. Uh, we had Alex on. I don't care. You know, whatever. Yeah, man. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm Ian Crossland. Check me out at iancrossland.net. I'll see you guys next week. And thank you guys for tuning in this evening. I really enjoyed our talk with Nick Freitas. I forgot to shout out the sign behind me that looks a little crooked. It's actually not. Uh, they made this amazing sign for me. I need to shout out the company that made it. Ian also has one. And then we have the Timcast one. Mine has my cat. In the oh. at sign, that's Dip. You can find more of him on my Instagram. Way too much of him on my Instagram. Anyway, I am Sarah Patchlitz on Twitter and Minds.com. We will see all of you over at YouTube.com slash castcastle, which will be up tomorrow. And then we'll be back Monday. Thanks for hanging out. And we'll see you all then. Bye, guys.